Welcome to Teeth and Titanium, a podcast about oral surgery, residency, and life. We would like to thank the Canadian Association of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery for their continued support. All opinions expressed in this podcast by the hosts and their guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of the CAOMS. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for surgical decision making. All right, welcome everyone to Teeth and Titanium episode 28. This is our January episode of 2023. Welcome to the New Year, Oscar. Brad, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I feel like I missed you guys. It has been a while. It has been a while because, uh, you know, I took paternity leave for the December episode. That's a completely valid reason to take paternity leave. Well, it's funny because people probably think, oh, what's one episode going to make a difference? Why can't you just do like an episode? Like how much time does it really take? But even taking one month off, it just makes the world of a difference. Like, oh, yeah. I didn't even know how to set up his, his account today. He couldn't even he, figure out how to he record. He couldn't log into the computer. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say, to try to get us onto this meeting was the hardest we've had in a long time. It, it was hard. How, like many, how many Zoom here. links did we go through? I think five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it was a nice month off. Obviously, you know, paternal leave does imply the baby arrives. So I'm happy to say baby number two did arrive. Uh, his name is his name is Xander. So he came on November 25th. So mom's doing well. Baby's doing well. Nice. The nice thing was it kind of gives you a perspective change because I did find you, know, you have your first kid and you're just trying to keep the kid alive. You have no idea what you're doing. You're surviving. You're really. You're just, you're just in pure survival mode. You, it's just a learning experience. And it's a good learning experience, but I did feel most of it was just kind of like, you know, dealing with fellowship, moving back, just kind of survival mode. Whereas this time, at least it was a little bit easier because we're more settled. Yeah. But I was really worried because all I was thinking was, oh, how, how is Lennox going to react to this? You know, he's only two years old. He doesn't know he's any better. Jealous. He doesn't yeah. know any better. So it was kind of funny. Like, we get back from the hospital. Lennox meets Xander for the first time. He's like, loves him. He's like, oh, wow, it's a baby. It's Xander. Oh, cool. Hi, I'm Lennox. And he's talking to him. And then as soon as Bianca picks up the baby, all We're hell done. breaks. We're done. We're done. We're done. He's like, like nah. take this kid. Like, take this kid back. He's like, get rid of this kid. He's like, yeah. I don't want him anymore. Yes. So uh, that took a little while to adjust. But but now he's doing really well. He helps, you know, get him involved. He helps change his diaper. He, you know, he plays with him. So it's, it's, it's been really nice having him. So I will say really, really good. Yeah. I'll say when I dropped by your house, he was great with him. Like he was trying yeah. to hug him. He was trying to give him a kiss. Like he was really, really good with him. And you're right. 99% of the time he was good with him, except for one second when Bianca was holding him to bring him down to like the living yeah. room where we were hanging out. He went crazy. As soon as Bianca put him down, he's like, all right, we're, we're chill here. We're good. Yeah, exactly. So it's been really good. The second thing you kind of realize is that, you know, once you have a second kid, they always say once you have a second kid, that's when the dad becomes a, you know, a dad for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> because now the mom's taking care of the baby and you actually have to do everything for the older kid. Yeah, for so that's sure. It's been really interesting, you know, making sure I get him ready, take him to daycare, pick him up. Kids miss school the last two months. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah. So it, it's been a really nice experience. And, it, you know, we're a family four now, so things are going well. But it was definitely nice having the month off and just having more time to hang out with them and just kind of get adjusted to, to the way things are going to be now. It also happened during, like it happens during a busy month, just in life in general, mm-hmm. right? Like came November 25th, that means the holidays are coming up, busy season in your office is coming up. That's a lot to be going on at the same time, for sure. Yeah, busiest month for the practice is going to be December. And I was on call for yeah. Mount Sinai and for the William Malzer system. So just a lot of call, a lot of stuff going on in December, but overall went well. How about you, Oscar? How was your break? Anything exciting happen? 
So break was great. Honestly, can't really complain. Lots of time with family, which is amazing and, and stressful and busy at the same time. But this time was a little bit probably more special than usual because we we're finally able to tell our families that we're expecting our number one baby so far. <laughs> yeah, big clap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, guess they, I guess people can't see the video feed, but we're clapping for you. Yeah. Congrats, man. That's awesome. I remember when you when you told me, I was just, you know, I jumped up, give you a hug. I was just so, so happy for you because you know, outwardly, I was like, man, he's going to be a father. There, you know, you and Lexi are having a kid. That's awesome. And inside, I was just like, this guy has no idea what's coming. Yeah. Well, and so that's kind of the funny thing about telling people. So we told people, I would say later than most, right? We told people at 22 weeks. And yeah. so I would say that's probably later than most people tell people. So this is just me being completely honest. And, and, and maybe people didn't feel like this, but I was starting to drown a little bit, not being able to tell anyone because you're going through all these emotions of excitement and nerves and fear, mm -hmm. but you can't share it with them or we're choosing not to share it with anyone until then. So you're like, are these normal? Am I, should I feel this way? Should I be more attached by now? Should I be happier? And, and I was starting to feel a little bit overwhelmed. Once I told you and I told some of our other friends and I told my family, honestly, it just put so many things at ease and it was so much more relaxing and it's so much more enjoyable and exciting because everyone's like, Oh yeah, I felt like that. Oh, that's, that's normal. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I wasn't really attached till seven months, eight months. Some people are funny. They're like, I wasn't attached till three months after my kid came. So it's yeah. been nice to hear where I'm like, I'm not crazy. This is a normal experience that I'm feeling. Yeah. Plus a lot of people in your friend group either have kids or are going, going through it right now. Exactly. Going through right now. So you kind of have a lot of people that went through it and not to sound lame or anything, but it is just totally different. Like once you have kids, like your life changes. Yeah. And it's true that only other people that have kids can really, because there's all these things that you go through or that you have to deal with that you just never even thought of before. Like it wasn't even a concept in your mind. So I do find having a second kid is a little bit easier because you know what to expect and you yeah. know kind of what you're going through. It's just busier, but definitely the first kid is like a whirlwind and a lot of asking questions and just kind of winging it in survival mode. And so I think that's one of our, not maybe Lexi, because she's she was always been excited. She wanted to have kids so bad. So it's very, very exciting. And she's just ready for it. For me, it's more you don't control anything. And that's my fear, right? Like most of our lives, mm -hmm. we've all accomplished a lot, but we've all been in control of that and the next mm -hmm. step and what you're going to do next. And you don't control that right now. You kind of just try to survive. <laughs> especially as type A people and especially as people in professions where we pretty much spend our entire day trying to control minutia. Yeah, yeah. We're dealing with millimeters. We're dealing yeah. with tiny incisions. We're dealing with a small area of the body. Like yeah. our entire life is dedicated to minute details, implants, you know, really trying to get everything perfect. And then you enter this world where you can't control anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I'm retiring and just going to be at stay-at-home debt. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Listen, a lot of people are looking for dental assistance. If you, if you want to hey, sign up to be market a, you know, is, you can come mar market is crazy. And honestly, hygienists too. <laughs> yeah, hygienist, if, the, yeah. if the hourly wage is right, I might just do it. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Well, congrats, man. That's awesome. Congrats to both of you. And uh, definitely, definitely exciting. And, you know, the listeners will kind of follow along. And we'll, we'll get to see you know, how yeah. it goes for you, similar to how people kind of went on my journey when I was having one exactly. and two kids. So now you're kind of going to go through that. So that's, that's pretty nice. Yeah. I was kind of the boring one where I just, my life was like, okay, there's nothing really big happening. This guy's like, I'm graduating. I'm buying a house. I'm doing all these things. I'm like, yeah, my day just goes day to day. Now it's like, now my life will be upside down for a little bit. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Do you know if you're having a boy or a girl yet? No, we're going to find out in two weeks. Two weeks? Oh, yeah. Awesome. So we're doing one last big trip. And we're going to find out on our trip. 
Oh, nice. That's nice. awesome. Where are you going for your trip? South Africa. Wow, I didn't know this. Yeah, hey, you, don't tell Fritz. Yeah, I, you know, I should ask Fritz because usually you know where I'm traveling. This is like, I, you actually yeah. didn't know this time. Yeah, so we're going to South Africa. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good to do a nice you know, final trip while you can. Yeah. And Fritz is actually from South Africa, so he can give you some tips. Yeah, I am. You know what? As soon as we're done, I'm going to text him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. He might be like, oh, is, is that Wendell going with you too? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, no, he's not. <laughs> he's not. He's not. He's working. He's working yeah. every day. All right, moving on. Now let's start, jump into some other topics and maybe we'll start our current event segment. So Oscar, something that's going on uh, recently, we saw in the newsletter, you know, there has been that changeover of the presidency, you know, yep. the COMS, the CRMS. Every single year, we kind of have a changing of the guard, which is kind of nice, brings in fresh blood, fresh mm -hmm. ideas. New opinions. And also, yep. it's, it's, it's a lot of work. So I think if it was one person for a longer time, they might get burnt out or they might not have motivation to do a lot during that year. But yep. because you know you only have one year to try and get stuff done. You, you know, got to optimize quite, it. Yeah, it's quite an action-packed year. So this year, we welcome in Rob Wagner from Saskatchewan, mm -hmm. who's the new CAOMS president, and Henman Miao from McGill who's the CRAMS president. And one thing we like to do is, is to reach out to the, the new leadership to figure out, you know, what are their goals for the year? How mm -hmm. are things going? So we do have Brad who's going to reach out to them and maybe even get us uh, some audio from them if possible. And uh, we'll talk about that maybe on a future episode. Because it is nice to hear, like you said, what their plan is, because they really only have one year to implement their vision or try to get something done in that way, one year. So it'll be nice to see what they're thinking. Oscar, another question I had for you is, are you a big breakfast guy? You know, some people like they prefer one meal of the day, yeah. and breakfast, lunch, dinner. Where do you fall in that? I don't eat breakfast or lunch, so I would absolutely not fall into that. Is that a recent thing because like intermittent fasting you're doing or have you always been that way? Honestly, I never liked breakfast even growing up. And then like in residency, I like sleep more than anything. So I'd be like, I'm going to wake up as late as possible so that I can get to the place like on time, but not have to do anything extra. So that meant not eating breakfast. Really in residency, you're busy, like yet I didn't really focus on lunch. So I would go home wow. and eat dinner. And then I got used to that. So I've still been doing that. It's funny you asked this question though, because lately I've been trying to say, okay, let's implement breakfast because there's no need for that anymore. Now yeah. that I'm out and not a resident, but still most days I'm probably just eating dinner. And you don't find that you get hungry in the morning or during the day in the middle of cases, things like that? No, no, I don't. Except for like, let's say I'm doing two weeks where I'm like, oh, I'm having breakfast. And then I go back to my old habits. Then I'll get a mm -hmm. bit hungry because I got used to those two weeks. But on most days, no, I, I'm not hungry at all. And I would say the opposite happens to me sometimes when I, because I'm not used to eating in the middle of the day. So when I eat lunch, I'm really tired the rest of the really day. Really tired after? Yeah. yeah, okay. So I would say... I want to start implementing eating breakfast, but no, I don't. I, it's not a big deal for me, except on the and weekends because I love brunch. Oh, so you do do it on the weekends. Weekends yes. different. Yeah, yeah. Weekends are different. We get up like and we go up for brunch with Lex. So yeah, love that. Nice. And then what about when you travel? Are you, are you, are you still doing the no eating? No, no. You kind of want to experience the food and the culture. Yeah, exactly. So no, no. Eat. When I'm traveling, I eat everything. Three meals you a day. <laughs> Three meals a day. <laughs> Okay, cool. So, I mean, I'm also a th three meals a day type guy, breakfast, lunch, dinner. I don't really enjoy breakfast. I really just eat it because I find I get hungry really early on in the morning if yeah. I don't, especially during cases and things like that. Lunch and dinner, I always enjoy. But the reason I bring this up is one of the funny things, you know, I was talking about Lennox growing up and now that he's older, you can kind of give him like breakfast food and mm -hmm. obviously you can give him the cereals and stuff like that. But now it's to the level where I'll say, you know, Lennox, what do you want for, what do you want for breakfast? And he'll be like, waffles. <laughs> like, you know, it's like funny stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So Avocado so, toast. It's like, Lennox, come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's, um, that's awesome. So, 
Yeah, so it's nice. It's easy. You know, pancakes, obviously, eggs, stuff like that, a little bit work, like very minimal work, but a little bit more. But waffles is so easy. You just pop them in, you give it to them. But one funny thing I noticed is now, and I don't know how kids become conditioned to this. I don't know how they figure it out, but already he knows he wants waffles because waffles means he gets syrup. Yeah. Like waffles is just a means oh, to the end. So. Yeah, like I wouldn't eat a waffle without syrup. Like what's the point of it? Me neither, but I don't know how he's figured this out already. I don't know if it's by watching us or just because we give it to him with syrup. But basically, he'll say, I want waffles, and then he'll say, more syrup. And sometimes I've caught him where he's, like, picking up the waffle and licking the syrup, but he's not like, actually biting the waffle. <laughs> so he's having syrup with waffles, not waffles with syrup. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. And it got my mind thinking because, you know, we're in Canada. We have a lot of international listeners. But one of the things Canada's famous for is maple syrup. Yeah. Like, we have the 100% pure maple syrup. And then, you know, you have this fake stuff at the convenience store, which growing up for me was always Aunt Jemima syrup. Yeah, that's what I grew up with, though. It's my favorite. I love it. Uh, so I what? actually prefer that. Yeah, I prefer so, that to so, the so Canadian I can't, stuff. I can't say that in my house because, like, my wife's from a small town, Pembroke, which is, like, they're uh, huge on, like, maple syrup type things. And she's like, you're eating that? I'm like, this is, like, the best thing you could have. It's the best thing. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And they're like, oh, it's not real. It's synthetic. I said, I love this syrup. Give me all the synthetic stuff. I don't want the... In fact, when I find it's 100% pure, I hate the taste. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, so I don't hate the taste, but I, I prefer Aunt Jemima. Like, I prefer the completely processed and everyone's going to be like, you're yeah. disgusting because my wife tells me all yeah. the time. I got another yeah. question. Is your syrup in the fridge or in the, ca- or in the ca- cabinet? Cabinet. Yours in the fridge? Mine's in the fridge. Because you like it cold? Yeah. Oh, okay. My wife I never, also, I never... also thought that was weird, too. She's like, why is it in the fridge? I'm like. You keep yours in the cabinet. I'll keep my time <laughs> in the fridge. I've never, I've never tried it in the fridge before. Maybe I'll have to give that a shot. And um, did you know there's like a maple syrup monopoly? Like a little, like kind of like the oh, gas yeah, yeah. monopoly? Oh, yeah, in, in yeah. Quebec, I watched in that. It's, it's, it's in Quebec. Yeah, it's there's crazy. a there's a Netflix There's a Netflix episode on that. I think it's called Rotten, and it's called Maple Syrup. Yeah, like I was listening to a and, podcast on the drive to Pembroke like, yeah. over, over holidays, and I was like, there's a monopoly of maple syrup? There's a syrup? maple syrup cartel. Yes, there is. It's so crazy. Price fixing. It's, 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 yeah, yeah. Barrel it's, storage. It's, it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the other thing that kind of made me laugh was, was at the grocery store, you know, we ran Aunt Jemima, so you go to buy more. But now it's no longer called Aunt Jemima. It's called like the Pearl Milling Company. Have you seen that? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So they changed the name of Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben's, a bunch of different products. And now they all have kind of more generic names, I guess. So now you'll see when you go to buy it, it's the same label. Everything looks the same. But now it says Pearl Milling Company. The funny part is if you look in the bottom right, it says same great taste as Aunt Jemima because it's the same thing. Like they literally, all they did is just change the name. Change the name. Everything else is the same. But I feel like growing up, it was nice. You grew up with Aunt Jemima, you know the syrup, you know yeah. what it means. Now it's like, what a pearl milling company. Yeah. You, don't know what, you don't know what you're eating. Yeah, I know. Like, I'm like, I'm, you know what? I'm switching to the completely organic now. <laughs> <laughs> you're out. You're done. Yeah, done. Another thing I noticed that was kind of just annoying me on, on the internet now is sometimes I feel like policies come into effect and they're trying to make things more secure, make things more private. And that's mm-hmm. a good thing overall. But sometimes we go too far. And there's two things that are really bothering me. One is these passwords. These passwords, you used to just, you know, make a password and you were good to go. Nowadays, you need to create some kind of, you know, algorithm no, to figure out what sequence algebra. of letters. <laughs> yeah. to, to like say a password. And the one where your iPhone suggests, I'm like, oh my, oh my God. If someone stole my iPhone, I'd never get back into that account because I would never <laughs> remember that. It's like upside down <laughs> X times three divided by six Y. It's like, what? What is? Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. I think the passwords are getting out of control. And even that you can deal with because you just, you know, everyone does the same thing. You capitalize the first letter, yeah. you add a one, and then you add an exclamation mark. Yeah. So that's, that's your new password, right? You pretty much just broken to all my accounts already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
But the problem, and now it's becoming the new thing is, you know, having these complex passwords is enough. Now we have to do MFA, multi-factor authentication. Oh. We need to send your phone a buzz. Yeah, you need to download yeah. an app. You need to like, it's just getting too much, Oscar. Yeah. No one's trying to log in to my account to do like, this stuff. I don't like, have just let that many important things. I'm like, you know what? I'll let you log in. There's nothing to steal from me. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you know what's funny? It's going to sound like a first world problem. You know what it annoys me? When it asked me for that, I'm in another country, so I don't have access to text sometimes. Yes, like, yes, I yes. I can't. It's me. I can't. I can't. <laughs> and you're like, do I turn off airplane mode just and pay the $20 yes, roaming fee just for this one yeah. multi-factor oh, authentication? So yeah, definitely first world problems, but definitely things we can relate to. Yeah. But the most recent one that I've seen now is everyone got all mad that all these internets are stealing your preferences, your data, your what you're shopping for. So what's the solution? Oh, they're storing these all in these things called cookies. So now we're going to get back at them and we're going to say, you have to give, we have to give you our permission to have our data. But now it's like on every single website you go to, this massive warning thing pops up. You can't see the website yet. And you either have to do like select individual preferences or accept all cookies. And come on, we all just hit accept. Then this is where I may be in the minority. I didn't care in the first place. I didn't care. Really? It's, it's, it, it's annoying. Like the fact that they are tracking you and everything just starts popping up like, oh, now you want an umbrella. Here's all the umbrella companies. But I don't do enough. And if it makes my life easier, I'm like, I am looking for an umbrella. I want an umbrella. Like, which is the best umbrella? So I really had no issues. And yes, I'm clicking all cookies for sure. I don't even know how to adjust the cookies. Like, like what's happening? Yeah. So it's I've sure. actually never clicked the no, other option, no. which is like individualized. I hit accept all and it's just becoming too much because it's like every single website now you got to do all, accept all cookies and you got to do multi-factor authentication and you're just trying to do a quick thing. So that was one thing I noticed is kind of where the internet's maybe going a little bit far. One thing that isn't going too far, Oscar, I wanted to talk to you about, and it's something that we're going to bring up on a future episode where we want to have a proper guest to talk about this and give everyone more information because I do think this is a topic that isn't as well known, especially for new grads, is liability coverage, oh. insurance coverage, things like that. Yeah. For us in Ontario, through our license, we do get PLP, practice liability protection, for up to $2 million. It's included in our registration. And then you have the option to increase that to $25 million. Yep. But that's an option. You have to know about the option. You have to pay for the option. You have to exercise the option. I personally did not know about that option. Oh, you didn't? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure if you were aware with it or if you've enrolled in that. Or So, so it's funny. And I guess this may come back to, this, to the thing that we talked about a lot. The difference of maybe being in a solo practice or in a big group practice. It was in my contract that I had to opt into it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew so they before, thought of that. before I even started, it was already in the contract. And, and again, I would have opted in no matter what, like knowing yeah. about it. But yeah, so I knew before I even started working. That's that. smart of them, though, to just put in the contract like that. Yeah. And it also kind of lets you know that that's what you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought it was really so I was aware really early on. OK, so you already know about that. And then what about the like CDPA or CDSPI for like the, you know, complaints department the insurance lawyer fees and stuff and all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know that. But then speaking like pretty much maybe a month or two months in just speaking with the other partners and speaking with Omar, the other new grad, we were, we ought to talk in that conversation. And then yeah, I opted into that as well. Smart. Yeah. So I didn't know about either of these programs. Luckily, a part of the William Osler call group, we actually talked about this recently at, at a meeting and Dr. Sukha that, you know, we mentioned before also talked to me about this and recommended them. So I looked more into it. So I'm, I'm, I'm enrolling in that, but these are good programs. People should look into them, get more information. It's cheap and it protects you. But definitely in a future episode, we want to talk about like, what, what does this stuff yes. actually mean? Yep. What are the programs? How much does this cost? 
what is the history of the past? Like, how often do people get sued? How what happens? Like, what is actually the process of if you get a complaint? What should you do? What should you not do? I think it's a really good topic for people. I, I think to know. it is, and I think it's scary for grads who don't know it. So I, I think it's a great topic. And yeah, the minimal well, I shouldn't say allowed minimal fee because maybe they'll hear this and then try to up their fees. But the minimal <laughs> fee we pay so much for other things that I would say yeah. definitely opting into this is a no brainer in my opinion. Yeah, awesome. Okay, that's good to know. You know, I've been receiving a lot of feedback. I, I, I'm not sure about you, Oscar, about our Brian Farrell podcast that we did last time. Yep. And <laughs> some of the funny <laughs> feedback I thought I'd share. You know, some people were laughing because they said, so for some of it was the first episode they've ever listened to, just because they saw his name and they wanted yeah. to listen. Yeah. And they said, you know, it, it was a fun podcast. It was just, it's just 90% just you guys chatting and talking. <laughs> like there was no, there's no. I will say that that recording session, that's what it felt like though. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it was a combination. Number one, he's we spent the weekend together already leading up to it. Yeah. Number two, he's super fun with number three. We're all together live. So whenever yeah. the three of us are together live, it's always a more fun, relaxed atmosphere. And number four, we kind of went into it saying, listen, we want to have you for the whole episode. This yeah. is something new. We don't want to keep it super serious. We want to have a light. You know, we were two champagne bottles in that probably helped as well. Yeah. Like it, it was just an easy session. Yeah. And most of the time he spent just making fun of us or making fun of me or saying that he's the new CMS president. So for the record, it's not him. It's Rob, <laughs> it's, it's it's Rob, Rob Wagner. Wagner. Let's not take Rob yeah. Wagner's thunder. He is the new president. <laughs> yeah. 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 Public service announcement. Another funny thing is he, I sent it to, you know, once the episode came out, it was shared amongst the, the Carolina people and it reached his assistant, Ellie, who obviously, you know, he talks about in his lectures. He talked about on the podcast, you know, his main assistant's Ellie. And he, mm -hmm. he always has Ellie and she sees all his patients. Yeah. She assists him in all his surgery. So I sent her the link as well. And, and she reached out and she said she had no idea that he talks about her in any of his lectures ever. That's amazing. Or on podcasts or anything. And it's funny because he's literally mentioned her on every single talk I've ever seen him give ever. She's asking for a raise right now. <laughs> yeah. like, if awesome. i'm that valuable and yeah, you're always yeah. talking about me yeah yeah, yeah. so that may, maybe i'll have a, have a tough conversation there about you know reimbursement you get, exactly like you get five percent of that that new that new salary yeah i take a what's called the headhunting fee yeah, a finder's fee, finder's fee. and then you had a lot of former fellows reaching out you know peter franco is a former fellow i've talked about him before but he listens to every episode and one thing he said was it, it was crazy listening to brian talk about oral surgery talk about his practice talk about how he thinks about things because it actually made him realize how much he models his practice after him. Wow. Now, you're going to think, okay, that's obvious. He was a former fellow. He just did a year with him. You know, he's going to do everything like him. But yeah. the truth of the matter is, and as you know, when you go through residency, you have so many attending staff. Yep. And if you're fortunate, you go to a program where every staff is a little bit different. Yep. You know, sometimes a residency, it annoys you because you finally learn how to do it one way. And then you work with another staff and, the next whole week, and they want to do it a different way, different mm -hmm. instruments, different technique, especially, you know, some staff when they say, you know, this is the only way, my way, there's no other way to do it. I think, you know, the approach to take and the approach that I've tried to take is I'm always going to do things my way in a set way because that's how I was trained. That's how mm -hmm. I'm comfortable. That's how I feel is the best way. Yeah. But when it comes to a resident, you pretty much just tell them, listen, when you're with me, you're going to do it my way. But once you graduate, you don't it's have your to decision. Me. No. Take what take whatever you think is best. Take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, like whatever you generally think you're most comfortable with and best at, that's the way you should do it. So I think what happens when you do a fellowship, though, is because you're doing it the same way with the same person over and over again, that is what you become most comfortable with. And you're more likely to tailor things that way. Yeah. So when he mentioned that, you know, he models his practice after him, it kind of made me realize that 
I do too, in the sense that I do surgery the same way. I try to mm-hmm. do every single step that he does and he taught me. But more important than that, my actual practice, like my consultation, one hour, same length as his. Things I talk about, same as him. Very, yeah. Way I say it, same as him. I just and feel like I everything that, I do as far as a jaw surgery practice is modeled after his practice. I think so. I think that's a credit to him because you model after people that you think are doing something well or that you're impressed by or you think are doing it the right way. So to say that, yeah, you model most of your practice after him, I think that's a huge compliment to Brian because, yeah, you've also had great attendings over the course of your residency, right? And you work with some Mm -hmm. great staff in Toronto as well, but you Mm -hmm. spent a whole year, it resonated with you, you love the way he does it, you like the results he got, you had an amazing experience. So I think that's a very big shout out to Brian there. And I think that's the key. And when you're working with other people, you know, don't have a closed mind, just see how they do it. You know, I... I'll go to the OR and I'll watch Cam and Eddie work and I'll yeah. say, okay, that like specific that. step, he did something. I kind of like that. That was kind of yeah. cool. I went to Crescent. I shouted Marco for a day. She says, just to see how his flow, yeah. how does he do consults? How does he run mm-hmm. his clinic? And, you know, when you get to that level and you're so busy, you kind of need to develop efficiencies and protocols. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to be there for 14 hours a day. It has to be streamlined. People. Like it, it kind of has, has to be, to be like template and cookie cutter, which doesn't seem that you're cheating the patient as a cookie cutter, but your templates have mm-hmm. to be there or else your days are going to be too hectic. Definitely. And as I said, even though I model my consults and the way I do my jaws surgery practice after Farrell, going to watch Cam and Eddie, I picked up some things from him, even just spending one day there. I mean, you were there at the office that day too, so we all got to hang out. That was fun. And the funny part was you've done so many consults with Cam and Eddie. When you're a resident, you shadow him, you hear his spiel. Everyone has that spiel. He has a spiel. But I had never heard it before. (laughs) So I'm sitting there and the patient's sitting there and he's giving his spiel and he's making his jokes. And his, yeah. his jokes are obviously the same joke. Yeah, yeah, same yeah. Time, but I've never heard them. You're cracking so the up. laughing and I'm, la- I'm cracking up. I, I was laughing. You're like, these are uh, gold. Yeah. I, I was laughing so hard. And I was laughing along with the patients. They probably thought, like, what's wrong with this yeah. guy? You're like, Is this Kevin guy? is like, you better not steal my jokes and stuff like that. So it, it was funny. You know, Kevin, you know, for example, one part he goes, you know, the, the nerve is a sensory nerve. It, it's, it's, you know, it's touch, it's feel. Yeah, exactly. You're doing it. Yeah, yeah, he's like, don't worry, you can still make you know, kissy, yeah. kissy face, kissy. Yeah, yeah. He starts doing it, touching his lips. Yeah, and yeah. I started laughing. I was like, that's hilarious. But yeah. so I think you you should just you know look at people, shout at them, learn from them, and then take what you want from them. You know, sometimes I watch surgeons and they do a step, and I'm just like, I don't want to do it that way. I don't yeah. like it that way. Yeah. Other times I watch them and say, that's kind of a nice trick. I kind of like that. You adapted your technique. So I think that's been really good. And I think a lot of former fellows have reached out and say it's funny when he talks. A lot of it's like ingrained in our brain. We know exactly what he's talking about. It's the way we do things, but it has the the power to influence others. One unsavory thing that came out of the, oh. uh, you know the, the previous episode oh. was, you know, we do have to talk about the World Cup, unfortunately, which was amazing. Yeah. Well, well the, was amazing, you know, you know but, what? I lied. The finals was amazing. No, listen, I have a beef with something. I was reflecting on the bet that we made. Yeah, and you know, all three of us were together. We kind of suggested this bet, and we said, "Oh, yeah. let's all support our countries." And you know, you you got Uruguay. Yeah, and. Farrell got USA and I got Canada. Yeah. And the truth is, I don't really, it's not that I don't really identify with the Canadian soccer. You can't pick another team. No, I just don't. I just happen to be from Canada, but it's not really fair. I mean, no, no, it is a team that everyone knew was going to lose. Like, I should have been given the opportunity to pick this guy wants to pick Brazil. I identify. Yeah, I support Brazil. (laughs) So you have two teams you can pick Canada or India. India? 
So yeah, yeah. you better be careful. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, long story short, Brian won one. Yeah, he won officially. So congrats to him. Dana Very Ronas. early on, very earlier on in the tournament, realized he was probably going to win. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think what we agreed on is we'll all meet up in the U.S. at some point, and dinner's on us. He gets to pick the location, which is going to be pricey because I will say, as low maintenance as Brian is, he does enjoy a, a good meal out. And so, but you know what? Drinks. If it's anything like our podcast, like that set recording session, we're going to have a ton of fun. So I'm okay with it. Yeah. Oh, uh, we're going to we're going to have a ton of fun. It's just our wallets might hurt after. Yeah, I'm just going to dip out early, though. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) It did make me think of something, though. We always have a recommendation section of the podcast, but we also talk about things in general that we enjoy and that we recommend people do. But we're on a hot streak because we recommended people watch Formula One. Yeah. And the year we started telling people to watch the entire season. And there'll never be a better year. Yeah, was Hamilton and Verstappen in the final race. And not only the final race, but the, the season in general yeah. was one of the best seasons in Just general, stacked. the whole season. Stacked. So many good races. Comes down to the final race, the final turn. Like, that's never existed ever. Yeah. Where it gets rigged, so, it's crazy. Never, never existed. <laughs> yeah. Still a bitter Mercedes <laughs> yeah. fan. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. You know what's funny, though? I'm not a Mercedes fan, so I was happy Red Bull won. But the further away we get from it... And the more races that happen and the more you look back, you realize like that is just ridiculous what happened. It's, it's so pretty crazy. Illegitimate. Exactly. It's yeah, so, yeah. so illegitimate. So we told people Formula One. Then we told people about the COMS and annual meetings. You know, it's COVID. There had been no annual meeting in a yeah. while. So we said, you got to come to the annual meeting. It was Iceland. And like Iceland, we said, was generally one of the best meetings oh. of all time. Like you, you can't really compare to Iceland. We even told people, don't think this is a normal meeting. Like, yeah, because it's not. Kind. It just isn't. So... Leading up to December, we told people, even if you're not into soccer, watch the World Cup. And then it ends up being one of the craziest World Cups. A crazy upsets. People can't predict the results. And then it was legitimately the best finals and probably best soccer game it's, of all time. I watch a ton of... And so do you. I, like, we watch a ton of soccer. Yeah. That is the best soccer game I've ever watched. Ever. Like, and it's the Me stakes... Too. Like, the stakes for Messi. Everything about it. It was just unbelievable. Yeah. It was remarkable. So... I think we're in a hot streak with our recommendations. Maybe people will pay more attention. Or we just don't do any more. We're done. We're on a hot streak. We're we're done. We just drop the mic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe people will listen to us more. Speaking of listening, one thing one of our mutual friends, Alia, mentioned to me was, you know, she heard about the podcast. Actually, through Fritz. Fritz is the one that told her, you know, you know, do you know Oscar and Wendell have a podcast? So she listened to that. And she, you know, she's good friends with your wife as well. Yep. So we have a lot of mutual friends and she was talking to Lexi and she said, yeah, I just started listening to the podcast. And apparently Lexi was like, I don't know anything about it. I've never listened to it. Lexi's like, Oscar has a podcast. The only reason she knows is because I record <laughs> once a month and she's like, do I got to stop talking now? I'm like, yeah, go over somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> she, she knows it's that time of the month where she's yeah. got to get out of the way yeah. and the cat's got to be in and the, the basement. And the cat's got to be locked up. Exactly. <laughs> well, it made me laugh because my wife, has never listened to an episode. She has no desire to listen. I guess, I guess they figure they hear enough of us. The last thing they want to do is listen to more of us on a podcast. Yeah. She's like, I don't want to listen to your voice again. So, so yeah. Because it's funny you say that story. Lex came home one time because they were out with Ali and Yili. And they were talking about it. And Lex's like, I just realized I've never really listened to your podcast. I'm like, you are the worst wife ever. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I'm joking. You definitely don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, the only thing I'm thinking is, you know, you know how sometimes they want to talk and they want to have like a long conversation about our lives and that maybe we can say, listen, there's a three hour medium every month you where you can find out all about us. 
Wow, you just blew my mind, okay? Because okay, we're going to get into like marriage talk now. So when I get home and Lex gets home, so we both get home from work, we have very different responses to things. So I'll ask how- You weren't allowed, I bet. So she asked me how my day was. And it could be the worst possible day on the planet. And my response will be, it was fine. That is it. Because I'm tired. I just want to sit there. I don't want to talk about patience. I don't want to talk about anything. I just want to kind of relax and de-stress. So every, yeah. every, it doesn't matter how the day went. Amazing day, terrible day. It was fine. That's my response. Lex, I asked her the same question. Lex, how was your day? Lex thinks <laughs> I want to know every single detail. She'll be like, I woke up. I had breakfast. I tied my shoes. I went to work. I saw 15 <laughs> patients. So I should tell her this. Just listen to the podcast once a just month. The podcast. You'll know how my month was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm going to do that. I'm going to bring up this idea. I don't think it's going to flow over well, but uh, maybe, maybe we can bring it up. I'm getting a divorce next month, clearly now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another thing I want to talk to you about was crazy case update. You do feel like once you leave fellowship, you stop having the crazy cases to report. Yeah. I remember I used to talk to you about these crazy wild cases all the time. Mm-hmm. And luckily we have some in the pipeline, but one of the nice ones that I did recently a couple of weeks ago was my first total joint replacement as a yeah. staff. And I, th- I think it's important you know, for people that either are going to start doing total joint replacements or already do or are not sure if they can. I think, you know, what I went through was was a good educational experience and I think it was a good way of, of, yeah, of how to handle it. And what I mean by that is I have another case, a different case that's booked next month. Mm -hmm. And that case is your standard, really good entry level, routine, simple you know, as simple as total joint replacement can be. Yeah. You know, arthritis, degeneration, fossa's yeah. in good shape. It's a textbook case. Away, occlusion's fine. Are going to be fine. You're going to maintain it. it. It's a really good textbook case. No ortho. That would have made it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, mm-hmm. really, really good case. This case was not that. This was <laughs> I, multiply yeah. operated joint, rib grafting, elastic sheets, foreign bodies, heterotopic bone formation, fibrous ankylosis, Pick something, true bone ankylosis. It. Yeah. Yeah, everything. And, and the craziest part probably was the bony ankylosis, you know, no mouth opening. And what's funny is the first thing I would say is I start stressing about the case. And mm-hmm. that's very normal. Yeah, you, know, you got a big case. It's coming up. I feel like I Honestly, feel I did a you, bunch of cases. If you didn't stress a little bit, I'd almost be worried that you'd have mm-hmm. too, a little too much self-confidence because it's not something you've done that much. Right. Yeah. Especially yeah. As, a, as a staff level. Yeah, right? I so, agree. And McGill did a bunch, felt okay there, but, you know, doing it as a staff is really different. Luckily, my fellowship, you know, with, with Nail and with Cook, did maybe 20, 25 there over the course of the year. So that yes. really helped, you know, build my confidence, sure. get me going, because, you know, we would always do half the case, they would do half. So after that, I felt like, okay, I can do yeah. this for sure. Yeah. It's just a matter of finding the right case. So I think the first thing was, you know, when it comes to stress levels, just review material, review the steps. I actually called John Nail and I said, listen, I got this case coming up. I'm just going to walk you through what I'm going to do. Let me know if I'm missing anything. Let me know if you have any tips or tricks. So I think it helps to talk to your mentors. But the second thing, and this is obviously the biggest thing I did was no cowboy, no hero. Yeah. I'm in Toronto. I have access to like the number one TMJ person, yeah. arguably in North America and the world, yeah. like, like the guy, Dave yeah. Sitka. So obviously you can send him the case. You can, you know, you can, he can help you plan stuff like that. But I just went one step further. I said, listen, Dave, this is my first one at staff at Sinai. It's a tough case. You'll see from the, from the images I send you. Can we find a date that works for you? And we'll both do it in the OR together. Yeah. And what's great about Dave, and you know this, is he's, he's a super, super nice guy. Classy as you he, can be. Classy as you can be. A phenomenal surgeon, but like the nicest guy. He was like, yeah, oh. let's make it work. We mapped out the ORs. We said, okay, 
we can do it in January. We'll try and get an early OR. We'll find a day. We'll both block it off. I'll come the whole day. And this one was a com- you know combination case. It was a Lafort and mm-hmm. joints plus minus a genioplasty. And what's nice is he said, send me all the links. Send me all the photos, all the x-rays, all the scans, and all the planning links. So he he was on the planning session for the joints, the resection, the Lafort, like everything. Sent him all the reports after. He looked. Every time they sent an approval email, I said, I approve, but I want Dave to approve too, because he's going to know yeah. what I'm missing, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it happened, you know, they sent a FOSA and a, and a Ramus design, and he responded saying, no, something doesn't look right here. Let's jump on another session and clarify that. So we had yeah. a second session. He tweaked the design a little bit and actually paid off when it came to the surgery. So mm-hmm. these are the little things. So I think the first educational thing I would say our learning experience was, if you have access to mentors or experts, reach out to them. Be humble. If they're in your... Be humble. If yeah. they're in your city, bring them to the OR if yeah. you can. Yeah. If that's not possible, tell them to jump on the meeting. Yeah. They can plan with you online. Send them the case report if you don't want to bug them. They can look over the report, give you feedback. Like I think it's so easy to do now in the digital age that there's no reason not to involve more people. Especially when you have people kind of like we're talking about, like a Dave Sutka, who's just classy as can be, super nice human being, super talented surgeon. Just like Brian for you, right? Like if you ever needed him, he'll be there in a heartbeat. Yeah. If you have these people, yeah. don't waste it, right? Don't act like you're too you're too good or you're too slick or you're too proud to not ask for help. It's your first case as a staff, for sure. I think you did the smartest thing yeah. for yourself, but for your patient as well. And I will say, despite planning with him, despite getting everything ready, you're still nervous. You're oh. getting ready for the OR. You're thinking about all these things in advance. Like for this case, for example, we did pre-op embolization. We had post-op radiation therapy abdominal fat crafting, just everything we can to prevent, yeah. you know, the ankylosis from coming back and have mm-hmm. a bone formation. But what's funny is I told Dave, I said, you know, I've never worked with you before. Can we chat on the phone two weeks before? Just to, honestly, you, you, you also have to think of logistic things like, what are you going to let the fellow do? Yes. What do you let the resident you're do? At a I don't teaching, want to show up right? there. Yeah. You're in a teaching institution. So I don't know what's normal for him to, for who to do what step. Mm-hmm. So I asked him and luckily his approach is very similar to mine, which is he's hands off but watching the whole time. Mm-hmm. So he's watching, mm-hmm. he's hands off. And if he needs to take over or if it's a crucial stab, he'll step in. So I said, listen, I said, pretend I'm not there for the joints. I'm there. Tell me which parts you want to do. Yeah. You lead the way. You're yeah. in charge. I'm really there to learn from you and to get the best result possible for the case. Mm-hmm. And he was totally on board with that. So that worked out well. But all the things that I was really stressed about leading the case, as soon as I talked to him on the phone, you could tell he had zero stress, <laughs> like zero. He's done so many of these yeah. that he was telling me things that I didn't think of. He knew exactly what to do. He's, he, he's just not stressed about it. It was awesome. And he's a chill guy in general. Yeah. But also when you have that combination of a chill personality, but experience, so they know what's it's, going, it's next level. going into. It's next level. It's, it's next level. Yeah. So yeah. that really helped. And another funny part, funny part of the case was so we're doing the exposures you're doing the resection and you know for the residents just from a sequencing point of view total joints are one case where you always want to do mandible first and usually you want the joints first and there's a lot of kind of teaching around you know when you go to the mouth and minimizing you know mm-hmm. cross-contamination but just to make a long story short we open the joints resect the fossa resect the the condyles free her up all of a sudden she you know she's got an opening of 40 then we closure go to the mouth arch bars MMF into the intermediate split, seal that off, open, put the fossas, put the joints, full closure, go back to the mouth. And, you know, during all these steps, you know, I'm learning, I'm watching Dave, uh, normal levels of stress, things are yeah. going well. Everything went really smoothly, but tough, tough case for sure. And then 
the joints are done, everything's closed, we're moving on to the Fort. So then they, you know, they said to Dave, okay, well, you know, you can leave now if you want, you don't have to, you don't have to stay. And Craig Timmy said, no, he's like, I want to stay. I want to watch Wendell do a little fort. I want to learn nice. from him. Maybe, yeah. there's, maybe there's some tips and tricks there. Yeah. So that was really cool. But once I took over and once I started doing the little fort, like my mind level went from like hyperactive, super stressed, like totally brainless. Yeah. Yeah. I could do this with my eyes closed. This is just like so routine. It's funny how your, oh, second your nature. mentality can shift so quickly yeah, yeah. to things that you're comfortable with doing. Yeah. And, and you picked up a few pearls. You're so the same surgeon, right? But it, it's just experience makes such a difference. It's not the yeah. skill. It's just you've done or they're not like so many times. You're like, you're not even thinking about it, which is the same thing when you call Dave. And you're like, I'm nervous about this. He's like, why? Why are you nervous about this? That's all <laughs> like you've done it so many times. Yeah. Yeah. And the nice thing is I told him, I said, you know, I got this really tough one with you. But next month I'm on my own, but it's a more routine case. I'm actually kind of happy I did yeah. a really tough one with you first before doing the more routine one. But he even said. Dude, as far as cases go, this is a really hard one. Like this is not your for him run of the to mill one. So, makes you feel good. Yeah. yeah. Made me feel really good. Yeah, definitely. So shout out to Dave and thanks so much to him for his help with that case. And it, it was a really good case. Hopefully, hopefully it turns out well. Another thing I wanted to, to tell you about Oscar regarding the COMS was they do have that ski and learn meeting that's coming up, but there's no point us promoting anymore. Yeah. Like and we've been promoting it each episode, but there's no point because it's sold out. Yeah. And honestly, good and, for them. And it deserves to be sold out. It deserves to be sold out. Everyone that goes says it's an amazing meeting mm-hmm. and it sells out every year. Like it's one of the most popular meetings of the year. It's pretty impressive. That's yeah. And that's awesome. Would you, if How's your learning going? I was about to say that. I was like, so we were trying <laughs> So you heard the first news, right? So we're pregnant. So we had bought kind of a season's pass for Blue Mountain, but not sure how much we were going to use it because as Lex gets a little bit bigger, we're doing May. Mm-hmm. She wasn't sure how much we'll be able to ski. So we were all excited to try to do it as much in the beginning, right? Like last year we started learning or I started learning. Lex was great. I started learning in first or second week of December. We haven't been able to go. We plan to go all of December. It hasn't been, there hasn't been enough snow. Then we're like, okay, we'll go first of January that weekend. Not enough snow. We're like, we'll go next weekend. Mm-hmm. Not enough snow. So it's, it it's been annoying. At all. Yeah. It's been annoying in that sense. Yeah. There's been a total lack of snow. I was in the OR with Zane. We keep bringing up Zane on this show. Zane is making a lot of now. Yeah. Yeah, he's a loyal listener. He listens to the episodes, and we talked about this before, how he does share it with, you know, his his family and his office. So, you know, good on him. But he, he he brings up funny stuff that's worth mentioning. And one funny thing that came up was we were in the OR this week, and he said, he's talking about his weekend. He said, oh, I went skiing with the kids. Where'd he go? But I got into, he, he told me the name, but I can't remember. It's close by. Okay. Uh, it wasn't Blue Mountain. It was a different place. Mount Lake. Lake Ridge or something like that. I oh, can't remember what it's called. I don't know. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> So he said, yeah, he said, but I didn't grow up skiing, you know, but I, I did take some lessons in that. So my instant reaction was, oh, were you inspired by Oscar? And he, he looked at me and he was like, no, I, I did this last year. OK, it wasn't. You know, not, <laughs> he did not want to give any credit. Eh? <laughs> no, credit, no credit. I felt like he was thinking like, you know, not everything is based on you yeah, guys. Like there is a funny. world He's outside like, of teeth and titanium. Like, I just started listening this summer. Take it easy. Yeah. So he started learning last year. Nice. Uh, his wife knows how to ski. And then now his kids are learning now. So they kind of all do it together, which is fun as a family. But I did find it funny that that was the first thing my mind went to. I was like, oh, it was inspired yeah. by Oscar. But no, no. there um, is a world outside our podcast. I, I will say, though, I really do hope it starts to snow a little bit soon because I'd like to go because we made pro- oh, I made progress last year and I was excited to start this year again. If we don't really get to go that much, I feel like I'm going to be You're back useless. to square one exactly when I start next <laughs> year again. And it's like, yeah, this is not going to be fun. Plus, you bought those fancy skis. You got to start using them. I don't know if they're ever going to be used. I'm going to be like, whatever works on like, I'm like, can I get the cheap rental ones? I feel comfortable on those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, did you get snow pants uh, yet? 
Yeah, now I officially have snow pants. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, I have snow pants. I won't be an issue. Although I was becoming famous for being the guy in sweatpants on these ski conferences. I don't know, so if, I don't it's, know. I don't know if it's if it's a good face. Infamous. Yeah, yeah infamous. Yeah. Last thing I wanted to talk about before we get to our next segment is something kind of cool is for once we know for sure, like an upcoming episode, a topic mm-hmm. that we want to do. Yeah. We want to do something on incorporation, you know, the benefits of incorporation, when to incorporate, how does it work? How does it affect your taxes? What's the best way to do things? So we know that that episode's down the road. We don't know when. It's not booked yet, but we know it's coming up. So we thought this would be kind of a cool experiment with our listeners to say, do you have questions about incorporation? Yeah. Are there things you've always wanted to know? So send it to us now, teethandtitaniumomfs.gmail.com. We'll create a list of these questions so that when we get to that episode, we can make sure to ask our guests. Because we come up with questions for our guests that we think people want to know. Yeah. And we really try and figure out, you know, if I didn't know this person at all, what would I want to know? But, but this is good for all the new grads, especially. That's, I think it's a time yeah. to be able to ask questions that they may not be able to hear somewhere else. Yep. And we're guessing as to what you would want to know. And sometimes, although we try not to take it for granted, there's a lot of things that we already know or we're so used to that we don't even think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. It's being a question that we used to have back in the day. For sure. So send us an email if you have any questions about incorporation. If it's more personal and kind of related to your situation, you can always just write on the email, please keep it anonymous. And yeah. when we read that question, we won't attribute to anyone. If you don't want it to be anonymous, then we can always give you a shout out saying it's your question. But definitely send us your questions and we can use that for an upcoming episode. All right, Oscar, that's it for current events. Let's jump into our New Year's resolutions. So each year in the new year, we do like to keep ourselves accountable Mm -hmm. and, you know, try and make resolutions that are realistic and just try and make ourselves a little bit better each year. Looking back, I'm happy. Honestly, I'm so bad with mine. But yeah, go ahead with yours. Well, looking back, I'm pretty happy. One of the resolutions that I made was complications are going to happen. And when you have a major complication, don't get discouraged. Don't change the way you do things just because of one surgery. Don't abandon that You also said don't blame other people, like take accountability. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I thought it was good. Yeah. So enough time has passed that, you know, you do enough major surgery, you're going to have complications. And I did have one of my first major complications that I would say, which would be, you know, hardware failure in the sense that, you know, you do a, a, a maxillary Lafort, everything's great. And then plates are breaking, maxilla is mm-hmm. mobile, have to do revision surgery. Like it's a yep. major complication. Yeah. And I, I kind of tried to do what you just said, which was take emotion out of it, look at it objectively. And I think it really helps, first of all, to talk to people about it. Mm-hmm. But also, once you take emotion out of it, the decisions are pretty easy. Yeah. They come in, you, a plate's broken, or maxilla is mobile, or the occlusion's off. You know redo. what it is. You know you have to go back to the or redo. Yeah. Don't try these elastics and yeah, liquid yeah. diet and all this fancy stuff. You know what they need. They need a revision. Yeah. They need new hardware. So that's what we did. Took it to the OR, removed the previous plates and screws. Doing well? Yeah, doing well. Nice. Doing really well so far. Nice. So uh, keep continue to follow up and hope, hopefully things go well. But it's been months now and, and things are, are okay so far. So that, was, I would say, would be my first major complication that happened. And you I'm, are good with your resolutions then. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so so far I followed it. I mean, we'll see. You know, yeah, the tough part is keeping this going long term, but so far so good. At least I'm like, first well, that happened. was last year's resolution. I don't have to do it this year. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I'm done. That was only for a year. Yeah, statute of limitations is out. Yeah. If this guy well, breaks the plates again, it's his fault. It's not mine anymore. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So looking, you know, forward, what would be my resolution for this year? And the resolution that I came out with that I need to be more patient. I'm not well, a patient person. I, I preach know that it in to general. the choir, my friend. 
And we've talked about this before. One of the tough parts about being so close to so many surgeons, I, I feel like you and I have a great network. Yeah. We have so many people and we do have people that are on our level, you know, people that graduated around our time. Like obviously we graduated around certain yeah. times. Our lifestyle yeah. is very similar, but we have all our staff that we're really yeah. good friends with. Really talented people around that are older than us yeah. that we're really, really close to. And we talk to all the time. We work with all the time. You see them around your office all the time. Mm -hmm. And it becomes really hard to focus on yourself and not be jealous of the place that they're. And I don't even mean financially, like financially, no, no, whatever no. that comes with time. No. You got to manage your finances. Just where they are in their life. Yeah. Career-wise. career-wise. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're, they're settled, they're established, they have a reputation, they're really busy, their clinics fill themselves just based on, you know, the time mm -hmm. they've been working and their, and their demographics, and their skill with surgery, their patient population, their wait list, all that type of stuff. And I'm someone that, now that I'm, you know, building a practice, I own a practice and building a jaw surgery practice. Like I'm someone that wants to jump to the end, which yeah. is everything's fully established. Yeah, I remember yeah. all the protocols. Your set career up, 10 years from efficient. now. Yeah, it's exactly it. I keep thinking my career is 10 years from now and I want to fast forward to that step. I'm not good about it right now. This is something I need to work on. I need to be more patient about realizing things come with time. Don't take things for granted and don't try and be so crazy about getting things done right now, getting things going. I need to be more patient. I just need to kind of like realize that things will come with time. It's just tough because you're surrounded by these like legends of the specialty. Mm -hmm. And as you said, they've all been working 15, 20, 25 years. And you just naturally look at them and say, oh, I wish I had what they had. Or yeah. it's so impressive what they built. Yeah. So that's my news resolution. How about you, Oscar? So I was telling you like the beginning that I'm terrible with news resolutions because I always forget what mine are. So I couldn't even tell you what mine were last year. I could have gone to listen to last year's episode, but I, I just forgot to do that. So I probably didn't accomplish them, what I was setting up to do. But this yeah. year, I guess I have two different ones. Mm -hmm. I have like a career one, which probably applies to other things of life. And then I have like a life one in the sense that, so my career one is, is kind of along your lines is don't yeah. worry about the short term and not as much as you where I, I want to look like I, I want to be somewhere. But me, don't worry about the short term is sometimes you get focused on your day to day and you get so wound up about it. it's like, oh, is that schedule full? Or is this is this happening? Or is that surgery? Why did that patient cancel? You get focused on the short term. And another example that I think about that, that I really want to adjust is that I've realized over the last year maybe is don't focus on the short term in the sense that take time away from practice to take CE courses to get better, right? Don't worry about saying, nice. oh, I have to pay for this course and it's going to take a day off work, which means I'm losing money at work too. Honestly, mm -hmm. don't look at it that way. Look at it. This C course is going to give me a new skill that's going to be useful for the next 20 years of my career. And it's going to make me so much better. That one day or two days that I'm closing my in the office doesn't matter. Yeah. So just more focusing long, long term, 5, 10, 15 years down the road. So kind of like you, but in a different perspective, more yeah. just focusing on the day to day. You're I trying to see the big picture. It, it, exactly. Because I am like you too. Like I want to control everything. I want to know everything that's going on and, and you really can't do that. Plus you love the day to day. You're, you're looking at your schedule. Well, you're looking at what's coming up. Like my favorite part, <laughs> like everyone talks about like when you're a chief resident, you got to make the schedule. And I was like, I hated doing that. I'm, I love doing that. Yeah. I love being in control of that. And it's the same now. Yeah. So I, I think yeah. that's my biggest thing, focusing on the short term, not focusing on the short term and just kind of stepping mm -hmm. back a little bit. And then mm -hmm. personal kind of goes hand in hand with that is that we have a big, big event happening for me and Lex this year. And I want to just enjoy it as much as possible because it does go quickly. Like for you, you were in your fellowship. So it all mm -hmm. got wrapped up and you were even saying how you didn't even really notice some things that were happening. Now with the second one, you're much 
kind of more involved. I want to yeah. focus on this because maybe this is, maybe we are a couple that's one and done. And I don't know, I'm not saying we are, but maybe we are. So I mm-hmm. want to make sure to enjoy this year in that sense. I think those are two really, really nice goals. I think you've touched on a lot of good points. I, I think if, if you start thinking a small picture and think about your day to day, you will never be able to take a day off because no. the opportunity cost of working will be too high. It's too high. That's You'll the never problem. be able to go to a conference. Yeah. Because you look at your daily billing and say, wow, look how much money I lost. Yeah. Fast forward a little bit. You will never be able to take a vacation. Exactly. Because that one week vacation, it oh. didn't cost you the three thousand no, dollars you no, probably no. did with the flight, the hotels, and the all inclusive yeah. and everything. It was that plus five days times X it, billing. It, and you'll exactly. just go crazy. Exactly. <laughs> you'll never go away. Exactly. And that's there's just no point in doing it. Yeah. And then from a parenthood point of view, I think it's nice you guys are established, you're at home, your job's secure, you're gonna be able to be around. It's something that you can enjoy. Mm-hmm. My recommendation would be the beginning is the most crucial part. From a getting adapted point of view, from being tired, like the first hundred days are so difficult. Yeah. If you can even get two or three weeks off at the beginning just to yeah. be around and help out, it makes a world of a difference. And it's something that you can go through together, which is really, really nice. I was actually kind of happy that, you know, we had our kid during COVID. And one of the nice rules of COVID at that time was only one person was allowed in the labor and delivery mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. So it was just me and, and Bianca. And it was really nice because it was something we got to go through together. together. Just the two of us. Yep. Whereas, you know, if more people allowed, I'm sure family would have come in, all these people would have been there. And yeah. It would have been nice having the support, but I feel like I could just kind of chill in the shadows and enjoy rather than be a, a part of it. Aren't you coming so. to mind? <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree that that is a nice thing where it's just kind of you and Bianca, you did it as a team and you went through it together yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Now, now listen, I can hear our female listeners laughing to themselves. Yes, we did as a team. Yes, Bianca did oh. 99.9% of the work, but I was there for encouragement and shoulder massages. And-, and so, okay, so it's funny you say that because I'm the kind of person, I laugh whenever I say it. Like, I didn't like using the term fiance. I didn't, I don't really like using the term wife. Like, I feel like they're funny terms, right? And so then when we yeah. say pregnant, I don't know how to say it. Cause I'm like, we're pregnant. I'm like, well, Lex is pregnant. Like somebody's pregnant. I'm having a baby. Like, I don't even know what to say half the time. Cause I'm like, I'm yeah. not pregnant. I shouldn't take any responsibility. She's the one going through this, right? She's the one that's carrying. Well, you can take responsibility, but you don't take credit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah and that, like, but it's like, I'm a, honestly, she's doing everything. So, so it's like, yeah. when I say we're pregnant, I Definitely. feel bad. I feel like I'm cheating the system here. I'm like, you know what? Lex is pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Going, going through you know, pregnancy and then having a kid makes you realize how much you depend on and you appreciate your wife because they go through something that we could never do. No, hundred percent. Like there's no question. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if it it was reversed, no kids, there's no population (laughs) there. No, like it's just not happening. Yeah. Like like, for sure. And like people ask me, they're like, Oh, like how's Lex doing? Is she complaining? I'm like, no, she doesn't. I would be complaining all the time. Like I stub my toe. I'm like, Oh, the day's done. (laughs) We're done here. She's like feeling sick. She's like, no, it's, it's okay. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Brad? Let's bring Brad in here. We haven't heard from him in a while. Brad, you haven't been around for New Year's because, you know, this is your first Oh, this is his first before, one. Yeah. Yeah. Happy, happy New Year, Brad. Any New Year's resolutions that you've thought of? Anything that you're trying to work on either professionally, personally? Like, it'd be interesting to hear from you because you're at that kind of sweet spot where you're definitely ahead of us in your career. Yeah. How many years have you been in practice now, Brad? Coming on 10. Perfect. Wow. Yeah, coming on 10. That's a, so, honestly, I feel like 10 is a good number. You're established, you're number. comfortable in your skills, you know what you're good at. Things don't like, really I would stress assume, you out too much. Well, yeah, that's a good question. As Brad, like, we would assume that you're kind of hitting finally your sweet spot, you're yeah. getting more comfortable, things are kind of on cruise control. Do you feel that way? Have you noticed that at the 10-year mark, you're, you're kind of getting to that zone? 100%. You know, I used to come in every day, you know, at the end of the day, look at the numbers, look at the business, 
Yeah. I don't even care about that anymore because it's yeah. it's running itself. You know, yeah, you know yeah, it yeah. works. You don't fret yeah. over it. You started to pay down the loans. The debt's not there. Mm-hmm. So it's just you get in the sweet spot of you know what you're doing. You're confident. Your practice is going well. Life is. We're so good. jealous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar, now now I'm wanting to be like Brad. I'm, yeah, it's like, happening to me already. Yeah, I'm like, like I'm who, who cares about the other guys? I just want to be Brad. I want to be a producer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. no, but it's a rough. It's a rough ten years that yeah. leading up to that. But it's yeah. all worth it. It goes so quick. Like I, I feel like I was just in residency the other day, and now it's like, man, I've been out of residency for so long. I'm like an old guy. Doesn't you know know what the new well, hip it, stuff is? It's crazy, yeah. Brad. Like when you until you said ten years. Like I don't know why I associated. Like I knew you were ahead of us, but I was gonna say like maybe seven. When you like, it's crazy. You've been out for a while now. Good for you. Yeah, and That's so awesome. I, I guess for me, I always look at something professionally and then personally. Mm-hmm. So along with you guys, I think patience is, it's so hard to do, you mm-hmm. know, just to be patient with life, patient with this, but, uh, you know, just to sit back. And I, I think the nice thing about being 10 years out is you can kind of sit back and just enjoy the process. You know, if your schedule's not full, you take that opportunity to maybe get something yeah. else done in the office, hang out with your staff a little bit more and you're not fretting like, oh my God, we're not paying the bills. You know, yeah. That, yeah. that stuff just kind of flows right off of you. Kind of personal wise, I'm going to go with my resolution of last year, which is uh, <laughs> to learn French, which is why I'm oh. in the United States. So uh, I'm past probably the beginner level and moving on to hopefully be able to speak French eventually. But oh, really comes out wow. a niece that was born and my niece only speaks French up in Montreal. So oh. I want to talk to her. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, so it's funny you say that because getting back to, to kind of our news. Lexi's resolution is to learn Spanish because my family is South American and at home, all we really speak is Spanish, right? Like my mom is definitely more comfortable in Spanish. My dad is more comfortable in Spanish. So one of Lexi's goals is, and one of my goals for being for if when we do have a kid, hopefully everything goes well, is that they do speak Spanish. So that's one of Lexi's goals too. So French, how hard are you finding it? I lived in Montreal for five years. So, I mean, I I, I kind of, I could speak a little bit at work. Yeah, I mean, my my French was so bad. People wanted to speak English. I'm like, yeah, oh, in my language. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like in the you, walk in, you walk in the room, Brad, to the trauma bay. Bonjour. What are you? Sorry, you say hello, and they say bonjour, and then you say bonjour, and then you start speaking French, and then they just go, "It's okay, I speak English." Too. And then, then you're like, "Bonjour." <laughs> but I mean, in McGill, you come in, in the middle of night and do a consult. You try to talk to someone, they're like, "Yeah, I don't have a clue what you're saying." Like, hmm. it's such a tough situation because if you're a resident. You want to be able to speak to your patient, but yeah. there's just no communication. That, so. That's hard. That's hard. Yeah, there's, and that was say, one of the tougher parts. Yeah, I will say that's a pretty awesome goal. And then honestly, when you learn French, like a lot of other languages become easy. Like Spanish is not just because I speak it and I learned it first. Mm-hmm. It is a very easy language to learn. And especially yeah. if you know Portuguese. No, honestly, it's... it's I took no four tricks. years in high school, not a lick, man. No way. I cannot believe that. Honestly, because English has got like a silent letters everywhere. It's like they're trying to purposely yeah. trick you. Spanish is like, if it's written that way, you're going to read it that way. Yeah. Apparently English is like one of the hardest languages. English is crazy. For an- <laughs> letters just don't make sense. Like, what is that? Si- Why are there so many silent letters? And if you put multiple letters together, you get a completely different sound. It doesn't make, yeah, it's just too crazy. All right, Brad. Well, those are some good resolutions. Now that you're, you know, officially on the New Year's resolutions with us, we can track you as well and make sure we hold you. You know, next January, our, our episode will French. be exclusively in French. From Brad's part. <laughs> yeah, from Brad's part. You're, you're, you're only allowed to speak French. <laughs> All right, that wraps up our New Year's resolution segment. Let's move on to, to our mailbox. 
We had a lot of quality fan yeah. mail come in over the past couple couple months, Oscar. So maybe we'll kind of speed through this part. First up is from Dr. Lee McFadden. You know, he said, thanks for the shout out to the college. I believe they worked hard in regards to the NDSC and it was great to see high attendance at the convocation this mm-hmm. year. Also, congrats to you in regards to the CT program. It must have been an okay project. So <laughs> he supported at least. Enjoy seeing you in Toronto, Lee. Yeah, so great to hear from Lee. Glad he's still listening to the podcast. You know, he was our first guest, so clearly he enjoyed it. He's also and another con- super classy guy. Super, super nice guy. Yeah. And then is a loyal listener. So shout out to him. Next up, we have another follow-up email from Peter. Oscar, if you want to take this one. Oh, you want to give the one that's three pages? Thanks, buddy. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we, we yeah. shortened it down. He, yeah. he gave us no, a short and Honestly, for it us. is like, and I'm joking about that because it's nice when people actually take the time to respond and give us yeah. these big like emails because it's it's nice to read. So this is from Peter Aquilina. Hey guys, I was caught by surprise listening to the podcast today, driving back from theater to hear the shout out. Even theater is like, it's so different. Mm-hmm. At first when I read it, I'm like, he was going to the movie theater? Where was he going? <laughs> <laughs> and just to clarify the situation in Australia regarding medical recognition of OMFS, it's complicated. So one, most OMFS here are dual qualified with some older singly qualified surgeons near retirement. Two, there's a small but emerging second tier of oral surgeons in brackets, dental alveolar surgeons in practical terms. Three, the five states and two territories recognize both OMFS and oral surgery, but state recognition doesn't provide access to the Medicare Universal Insurance Scheme. As I said, it's complicated. I'm skiing big white in January 23rd in Beaver and Beaver Creek for the ACOMS Faces meeting. I'd say good day if I see you guys there. Cheers, Peter. So that's nice to hear from him because he's all the way across the world, right? And he's a loyal listener, kind of spreading it even there. And just to get keep continuing to get emails from him, really, really nice. Yeah, really, really cool stuff. And I think we need to plan a trip to Australia. So I've already been to Australia. I'd like to go there again in the future, but I've already been. So I'll I'll be honest, it's far away and there's other places I'd rather go first. Brad, are you available to go to Australia? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. I got cut cut out immediately. Yeah. But I was, the only sad part about his email that when I was reading it was, he mentioned going, I was going to ACOM's faces. You know, I go there pretty much every year now, but this is one year I can't go. You know, a new baby, you got to stay home. Yeah. So uh, I'm there. Yeah, responsibilities. But uh, hopefully, hopefully next year or another time, we'll be able to meet up with them. Our next email is from Scott, Scott Martinez. Another follow-up email. Hi, Winnell Oscar. Just finished listening to your latest episode. Great show. I was really interested to hear about how Dr. Farrell has an outpatient orthodontic program. This is actually something I've been considering for some time now. Uh, Wendell, I'd love to pick your brain a bit about the experience with that model and your thoughts on bringing it to Canada. Obviously, there are significant differences with the payment and insurance model, but I'm curious if anyone has been successful doing this here in Canada. Important Cheers, points. Scotty. Important points. Yes. So I personally don't know of anyone that's made it kind of a routine, you know, part of doing it in their office. The main issue we have, I feel like in Canada compared to the U.S. is in the U.S., everything is insurance, private pay based. Yeah. So if you can figure out a way to offer something either for cash, people will just pay out of pocket because yeah. they have to anyways. Or if you find a way to do it in your office covered by insurance, then you can do it that way. So what Farrell has done is he's, you know, made his OR in their practices accredited. So they pretty much function like a hospital OR so they can build private pay or they can build through insurance. And that's why they're able to do so many in their office. And and I may be mistaken or, mis, or misspeaking here, but doesn't Calgary do this? I mean, in Alberta, aren't they doing this a bit? Sorry. Yeah. So I misspoke. So, so Calgary is able to do this in our office because, because in they Alberta, can bill. you can bill. Yeah. Yeah. You can bill Alberta health services, their public insurance from the office. They did establish that. So you're right. That is true. They are doing it in Calgary. But Alberta I, I, is a more, different world a little bit. Alberta is a different world. I find when it comes to their offices, but also I was thinking more of kind of a private side, 
But you're right. In Alberta, actually, they're the closest because they can pretty much do everything in their office because yeah. they have full GA, they have medical anesthesiologists, yeah. they have intubation, ventilators, like they have a nice And it would there. be publicly covered, these surgeries, just like they were doing if they were doing it at the hospital. Exactly. Yeah. The problem we have in other provinces is you could build an OR. People have built ORs in Quebec, people have private ORs, yeah. private ORs in Toronto. The issue is it's just hard to convince the patients to do it and pay when it's free and covered by OHIP. Yeah. That's always been the hardest it's, part. It's a hard sell, realistically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But uh, definitely something to think of in the future. And lastly, our final email is from Claudio Sansalo out on the West Coast. So he says, hello, Wendell Oscar. It was great to meet you at the conference in Iceland. As you know, I listen to all your podcasts and think you guys are doing a great job. See, Oscar, it's not that unrealistic to like the listeners that listen to every episode. So you know, Scott started listening and now we, he obviously listened to the update one. So either he started and is listening to every episode since. I don't know if he went back and listened to them all. But listen, you told me to stop being so particular. But well, some people, they do right back saying, I listen to all the episodes. Is that too much so, to ask? Well, one, they might have just listened to the episode where you say you want them to listen to all the episodes so they could be lying <laughs> to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Two, I don't disagree. I think by Claudio saying that, he's already at the top of our list of listeners, like, mm-hmm. right? Like people that I want to talk to. I'm just saying the people who even listen once or twice still get credit. That's all I was getting. Yeah. You don't want to be so negative. But yeah, for sure. You listen, <laughs> if you start your email with that, I already love you for sure. You don't have to write. But now we're, but, but you're right. Now we're going into that problem where everyone knows, hey, you exactly. want to be on the show, just start your email with, hey, I listen to every episode. Like the guy might write, he might listen to our first intro song and then hang up. So you never know. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, the podcasts are quite informative and I personally like the banter. Hearing about some of the past residents around my time, Peter Julis, Justin Garbedian, Brian Ritterberg, et cetera, is great. Look at that, Oscar. Those are all beauties. Lineup. That's like, yeah. yeah, those are all beauties. They're all your former staff and some of your coworkers right yeah. now. So obviously he knows some of the same people. I did want to write and tell you that Natasha had quite the reaction to your shout out on the August episode. My arm still hurts from her repeatedly hitting me. <laughs> so our loyal listeners will remember Natasha is the one that doesn't like our banter. I mean, she's going to hate it th- this episode because we've had like yeah, we haven't hours anything. and hours of just, yeah. yeah, we've done nothing educational. <laughs> this has all been banter so yeah. far. And basically what they did is they, he played the episode for her. Well, Natasha is his daughter. Said, Oh, sorry. Yeah. Natasha's his daughter. Yeah. So when he was playing the episode, his, his wife was there and she recorded his daughter's reaction. And he sent us a video and we it were just awesome. listening to it and watching it. It's honestly, it made me love the fact that we do this show. Like, yeah, yeah. You see, you see a West Coast oral surgeon hanging out with his family and to see his daughter's reaction, like she was freaking out. She couldn't it, believe it. She thought that maybe he had set her up and he had done it. It was so like, funny. And it was so raw that moment, right? Like it wasn't staged. Yeah. It was so nice to see. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously, you know, we can't share the video, especially on a podcast or about what, what I would say is they're hanging out and she's just texting her on her phone, you know, typical teenager, you know, on her phone, yeah. probably on social More media. important things to do. More important things to do. And then just play the episode. And all of a sudden she hears her name. And then she hears that segment of us saying, you know, she's complaining about calling her, her out, calling her out. And she just starts losing it. She's laughing. She's running around. She's blaming her dad. She's hitting her dad. <laughs> she's hitting her dad. It was just an awesome, awesome moment. So thanks so much to, to Claudio for sharing that. And actually one other nice thing he did is he said, you know, he emailed us a suggestion for an upcoming guest and a topic. And he said, maybe an orthodontist that is heavily involved in orthodontic cases. I do okay. remember when I was a resident, there were a few big referrals to the program of surgical cases. And it's good that he mentioned that because we already know, like for sure at some, this is one of yeah. those things where we know 100% yeah. and at some point we're gonna have an orthodontist or we're gonna do talk about the orthodontic side of, of orthodontic. Like I know 
we'd want to have a prosthodontist at some point and talk about the prosthodontic side of implants and color yeah. cases and restoration. Like we want to get the other perspective with all the different people we work with. So I that's that a good that suggestion. one. Like, and I know we've talked about it, but it's nice that other people are thinking about it too, because it's a huge part of the practice. You can't have an orthognathic practice if you don't have orthodontists. Yeah, for sure. So thanks again to Claudio for reaching out. It was, it was great hearing from him. All right. Well, that concludes our fan mail. With that being said, let's move on to our resident reminder section. All right, Oscar, for resident reminder this month, we wanted to kind of tie into our discussion about what we said previously about, you know, what Peter Franco said about Brian Farrell and how he models his practice after him and kind of discuss with residents what they're going to have to be doing when they do start transitioning to practice and how to figure out their model and how to find their efficiency. So the first thing we would talk about would be surgical efficiency. You know, you graduate residency, you're used to doing things really slow and really complex, meaning you're doing crazy cases in the OR or you're doing things in clinic, but there isn't that private practice impetus or that rate of speed. I mean, in a private practice day, you could be doing anywhere from six to 12 surgeries. In a residency, at least for us, we were never doing six to 12 surgeries. And, and honestly, to be honest with you, the big, my biggest problem or issue or, or learning curve was that in, in our last year, in our chief year, you're really doing very minimal private practice things. Mm -hmm. You are yeah. mainly doing big surgery and you become efficient and good at that surgery, mm -hmm. but you're really not doing very much in office type surgery. So when I mm -hmm. when you graduate, the efficiency is just, you're, you're on a different spectrum than the guys have been doing it for, for years now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree. And I would say, you know, starting from a macro point of view, when we think about macro, what you have to do, you have to think about your schedule, your staffing and your instruments. So what I would say is from a scheduling point of view, and I think we've said this before on the show, Start off scheduling your patients really long. Always, whatever, oh, however long you think you need. Underbook your days. Underbook your yeah. days. Yeah. Underbook your days. Whatever you think you need, add half an hour to every single appointment. That'll be the biggest sole thing to keep you your stress level down than anything else you're going to do for your first six months, for sure. If you yeah. try to match the schedule of the partners or the other practice people that, mm -hmm. that you join, you're like, oh, they're doing everything in 30 minutes. You're going to be miserable. You're going <laughs> to yeah. be miserable for sure. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I started, they, basically what they did is they took Dan's schedule and they made it a little bit less and they gave it to me. And I said, okay, to me, this looks pretty busy, but yeah. like, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And it was nice. You, know, you can take your time. You're getting to know the office, the system, billing, how things work. Also, the worst case scenario is let's say you're running ahead of time. You have more time to do your charting, your notes, or you have more time with the patient. You don't have to rush through that cost. Yeah. You can take, you know, 10 more minutes to talk to them about something. So I found it was really nice. And then after a few months, I would say it got to the level where I was more efficient. I was more familiar with this, the system and the charting. And they kind of noticed, you know, I was sitting around a little bit more kind of mm -hmm. waiting for the next patient to show up. Yeah. So they asked me about it. I said, listen, maybe add one more surgery and we'll see how that goes. Yeah. And then that went well. And I said, maybe add one more. But we did get to the level where we kept kind of following this ladder. Yeah. And there was a period, I think it was after a year where... I was starting to stress, yeah. fall behind, like, patients were waiting. I was like, okay, we've kind of reached our peak. Let's go back yeah. one step. Yeah. So do one less thing, one and less surgery. And it's okay one to less... go backwards. That's another thing yeah. too. Like you, you might say like you're booking everything at first, maybe an hour or 40 minutes, whatever you're booking, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then you drop it down and you may say, oh, this is stressful, but you're too embarrassed or too proud to say, you know what? I should go back to what I was doing. Mm -hmm. You can go in between, like, it's okay to go back or do maybe every other surgery. We do one surgery, 40 minutes, 130, 140, 130, like do it that way. You don't mm -hmm. have to go. It's not an all or nothing kind of thing. 
I agree. I mean, as soon as I said, let's step it back, let's go one less patient. Boom. All of a sudden we're running on time again. I'm getting my notes done. I'm not stressed out. So I think that's a good baseline when it comes to your schedule. Staffing over staff. Yes. Whatever staff you think you need, take one more staff. Yeah, yeah. Because and that's hard you know, when you, you don't the own the office, though. It's a little harder if you don't own. Well, that's one thing I was going to say. Is that's going to come a little bit later in, in our differing experiences. For you being part of a group practice, I assume there's kind of an allotment that's given to you each time you're working. Meaning, this is the number of people you get every time, or does yeah. it vary? It's it's pretty standard. Like I will get. Depending on the surgeries, I'll get a certain number of nurses, but usually there's two nurses with me, like so we can go back mm-hmm. and back. I have an assistant that's dedicated to me, and then there's an out that will probably, I don't know, resp- be responsible for two surgeons, like me and another one. So they'll do the mm-hmm. x rays or turn over rooms and stuff like that. So usually we have about three to four people with us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, in, in a solo office, you kind of have to determine how much staff you want. So it's kind of good to think, I think, whatever staff you think you need. Maybe add one more because it'll help you. You'll, you'll have someone else to kind of help with turnover. And then later on, you can always scale back a little bit based on your schedule or how busy you are. But I think no one's ever really complained about being overstaffed. Like when no. you're there at work, if you have one too many people, like you'll be fine. If oh, you have one too few, you're miserable. It's be and a they're bad miserable. Day. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, sometimes we work on Saturdays, like on our busy season, like in the summer, let's say we'll open on Saturday. And those days are you're all you're doing is surgery, so they're overstaffed. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. They're unbelievably amazing. Everything is so efficient. Like there's always you're just bouncing from room to room to room. There's no waiting on anything. And the worst days are when people call in sick, especially like the last years with COVID. There's so many mm-hmm. sick calls and you're understaffed. Everyone's stressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then from an instruments point of view, my personal advice would be minimize the amount of instruments you have. There's like, oh, there's this elevator for upper left molars. There's this forceps for like lower molars, but only second molars on the left side. It's just like, yeah, those forceps are built for those teeth and stuff. But my opinion is minimize the amount of instruments you have. It means you become more proficient with them. And I find that you'll be less dependent because let's say you're working at the hospital, you're working at their office. They might not have that, you know, perfect upper three rooted molar forceps. So that's my policy. I kind of just use a universal and a periosteal and a 303, but I'd like to hear what you think, Oscar. Are you kind of a specific instrument guy or just kind of generic, same thing every time? No, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty generic like every time. 76S takes out pretty much every tooth on the maxilla and then mm. 151 pretty much takes out every tooth on the mandible. Um, <laughs> but I will say, find what works for you. Yes, minimizing is great. 100% agree that. But mm. if you are someone that is more of a bit of a niche guy that likes to work with certain instruments, don't be afraid to say these work well in my hands and make sure that your tray is always stocked with those things. And that's also a difference of it being in a group practice. Sometimes they'll lay your t- tray out the way some of the other surgeons or the partners do it. And it's like, well, I don't need maybe all those instruments or maybe I do, but either way, I don't like the way it's set up and, and kind of voice mm. how it is for you and what you know you're going to use, because that will also make efficiency for you. Yeah, that's good advice. From a micro point of view, kind of zooming in, this is going to come with experience. As you said, you're going to learn what works better for you when it comes to instruments and scheduling and things like that. One thing I would say is it's very important to prepare your staff and also kind of figure out how you like your flow to go. And I'm going to give a very small example, but that's the point of micro. These are the micro things. When I started working out of my office, when they would check in a patient, bring them in the room and they would leave the chart in the room. Mm -hmm. And some other surgeons do that as well because they like to enter the room, say hi to the patient, grab the chart, review the chart, show the patient, look, I'm reading your chart, yeah, yeah. I'm getting, I'm actually paying attention. But I never liked it because I want to read the patient's chart outside the room. Yeah. 
because I want to look at the referral. I want to see what they wrote. I want to look at the imaging. I want to kind of form everything in my mind as far as what is all the information. Before I even walk in. Before I walk in. I, I don't want to walk in and seem like I'm unprepared. So I told the staff, listen, for me, we have our little cubbies outside the room. Always leave the patient's chart outside the room. Yeah. And that's a, it's a minor change they made for me. And to this day, that's what I do. And I really prefer it because I get to review things before going in to meet the patient. Yeah. These are like the little subtle things you only learn over time. And these are subtle micro changes that you have to make, but you have to inform your staff and you have to realize that it's something that you prefer. Otherwise, they're not going to know where you want things or how you do things. So do you have any kind of similar experiences, maybe a small thing that you like to tweak or change compared to others or something that's worked for you? Not necessarily in that sense, because our, we're digital. So I'm looking at the chart on my computer, like in the, mm-hmm. in the doctor's lounge or doctor's office before I even go in. Because okay. I, I agree, I wouldn't be able to have the chart in the room if we were mm-hmm. like, if we were not digital, I would want it outside. I'd want to know before I go in so you can just start the conversation off with some knowledge base. I don't think there's really anything that I, that I think that I changed from the practice or for myself that I was like, oh yeah, yeah, it was a small change, but it made a huge difference. There's nothing much. I think I work pretty similar to the other guys. Mm-hmm. A lot of their things worked out for me. And okay. more of it was, it was what they were doing. It's not like I came because like you just said, you're doing three surgeries in, in residency and then you're coming out and you're doing six to 10, right? So I'm yeah. like, oh, that stuff works. Let me see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shadow them and I'm going to see if I like it. So I, there's nothing that yeah. I really brought in, I would say. Okay. Well, I mean, that brings us to the next kind of part as far as a reminder, which is comparing and contrasting our, our clinical experience. You know, you entered a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. Your practice has been there for decades. You know, they have multiple partners, multiple people that have gone through the practice, graduated, things like that. So it's a multi-doctor clinic. It has established systems. They've done all the thinking for you. They've realized what work doesn't work, at least yeah. in their hands. Did you find when you entered, you just kind of conformed to what they were doing and just adopted everything they did? Or did you find that the clinics would conform to you or what you preferred or what you wanted to do? Like, how have you had to balance that? I would say it's a combination of both leaning more towards the first one where I conformed, not but, but not because they made me, but because I thought it was the better way to do it. They didn't have to really, or the staff didn't have to change much for me, but not because, again, they asked me, you have to work a certain way. It was just, I looked at it. I didn't have that established protocol just yet because in fourth year, you're not doing that much clinical stuff. And I said, this really works. And I liked it and I just went with it. So I conformed mm-hmm. to them, but because I wanted to conform because I thought it made the most sense to do that. Okay. That makes sense. I had a, a kind of a hybrid experience because working as an associate first then purchasing the practice in the sense that the practice was a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. You know, Dan had this practice for 43 yeah. years. He's an oral surgeon. He's full scope. Everything's kind of established. They have yeah. protocols for everything. The, the staff understand how things work. It's very easy from that point of view. It was, much, it was mostly minor things. I already talked about the charts being in the room as an example, but another example I'll give, well, you know, if I'm doing a lot of jaw surgery and I do a lot of things digital and virtually planning, you know, kind of establishing that protocol. Well, I need to explain to them, well, what are, what are intraoral scans? Yeah. What is the CBCT for? What is the workup? What is the virtual planning? What are these splints that are arriving in the mail? Yeah, like what you're do we have to something check new, we get... Or not new, but you're bringing something updated. Exactly. Yeah. When the splints arrive, what do we do? What are these Locked papers? Like, where where do they go? go? How do we yes. file them? Yeah. yeah. So little things like that, you kind of have to adapt the protocols. But where I would say I was similar to you was... And, and I would recommend this to all residents whenever they join any practice, you have you may have been doing something a certain way and it's worked really well for you. And then you're going to start encountering all the time, all these other people that are doing things differently. And I would say before you change to doing it back to the way you've always been mm-hmm. doing, try it their way. Yeah. Because two things will happen. One, you may find that their way is better than your way and you actually like it and you just didn't realize yeah. it. And two, 
if you do just continue it doing it the way they were doing it, the staff don't have to update mm-hmm. and the office just runs smoother. It, so there's a ton of stuff that Dan does that entering. I was like, this doesn't make sense to me or I don't yeah. agree with this. But this let me give so it a dumb. shot. And then you try, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, so, like, this is great. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I love it. So and, and the staff like it, too, because they're familiar with the protocol. And you can always change later if it's not working out. So yeah. that would be my advice from kind of a conforming to or or having them conform to you point of view. I, I would say when you first join as an associate, be a little bit humble in your skills. Realize mm-hmm. these guys likely have been doing it 10, 15 years at least. Most of the people that mm-hmm. you're joining, if you're joining their practice, or I'd say like at least five, you'll realize from year one to year five, how much you're going to change and how from year one to year 10, how much better you're going to get. So give mm-hmm. them some credit. Don't just come in. This is how I do it. And this has to be done this way. Be adaptable. And it, you may go back, like you said, to your own way because it is the best way for you. But mm-hmm. I would say give it a shot at first for sure. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, we'd love to hear from the listeners. If you found any kind of tips or tricks you'd have for the new grads and new residents as far as how to increase their efficiency or deal with scheduling or kind of coming to a clinic or having the clinic conform to them, we'd love to hear from you. Teeth and titanium OMFS at gmail.com. You know, next month, as I said, we will be talking about the contrast between private practice and hospital based practice. So another teaser. I would say uh, that's another teaser. Month. Yep. Yeah, another teaser for next month. But uh, hopefully that was helpful. And, and we do always like the resident reminder section. And what I like to hear also is we have a lot of our senior surgeons that it's not like they skip the resident reminder section. They're no. listening. And, yeah, yeah. and why are they listening? They're listening for two reasons. One, they want to know, okay, what are the residents dealing with today yeah. and, and how can we help? And two, you sometimes forget these things. Oh. You know, you're, 20, you're 20 years out of practice. You kind of like, yeah, what is the updated management of an amyloblastoma these days? You know? Well, 1000%. And like, especially if you're in a practice that, that is more kind of like a podcast team in titanium, you are going to mm-hmm. miss out on a lot of these things for sure. Yeah, so always happy to do our resident reminder sections and hopefully you guys find that helpful. Let's move on to Journal Club. All right, Oscar, for Journal Club this month, we have an article from the JOMS called Management of Intraoperative Contamination of the Custom Total Temporomandibular Joint Prosthesis. This is by McQuinn et al. And pre-screening, it's relevant to us in our practice, you know. It's relevant to your UFT. month. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Relevant to the month. Because it's a perfect article for you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, doing a lot of total joints at U of T, this is something you definitely want to think about. And, you know, it's by a bunch of staff surgeons, fellows, program directors, yep. and, and, and people from oral surgery programs. So we like that. It passed our pre-screening. I will say the topic's a little bit more of a niche one. It's not, this is not like some groundbreaking study no. that's, you know, going to really change your practice from a algorithm point of view or thinking point of view about approaching cases. However, what I like about it, and I think what it forces you to do is examine your own institution and realize, hey, if this happened, what would I actually do? It's funny. You, you took the words out of my mouth. I'm like, like you said, not groundbreaking information, but it makes you question yourself because it may be something you never thought of until mm-hmm. you're there and you're like, oh, now what do I do? And I think this line of thinking, you can then take it from this article and apply it to the rest of your practice. Meaning if I'm in an orthodontic surgeon, I dropped a splint on the ground. What do I do? Yeah. If I'm doing a wisdom tooth case in my office and I take out the wrong tooth or premolars and I take out the wrong premolar, what do I do? You know, all these different things of like, if the worst case scenario happens, all PLP. What, yeah, what should I do? Right. <laughs> and then you, you have these algorithm, yeah. algorithms in place in advance. Okay. You know, basically what they talk about is when it comes to total joint replacements, it's becoming a progressively more and more popular treatment option. Mm-hmm. And there's an anticipated 50% increase in the amount of total joints by, by the year 2030. That's seven I years away. That, that's a lot. 
You're right. I actually didn't realize I was one seven. It's hard to think of, you know, which year it is. 2030 to me sounds like it should be 30 oh, years away. Like a lifetime away. Yeah, yeah. It's for sure. seven years away. You're right. I think the technology is improving. The customization is improving. The workflow is improving. The quality of the product is improving. I think a, a lot of things are leading us to become more and more of a, just mainstream. A, a, an operation that we can offer patients. Yeah. yeah. Also, as the patient aids, ages, more arthritis, more degenerative changes, more probably indications for this type of procedure. So the purpose of this article was to discuss the unique complication associated with the placement of a custom TNJ prosthesis, methods of its prevention, and our algorithm for management. So basically, they jumped into a case report. We're not going to get into the details of the case report because I, I will be honest, you know, the, the, the case they chose yeah. and the, the planning, I'm, you know, it's we're not necessarily... Leave it alone. Yeah, we're going to leave that part alone. I think we'll move on from that part. But we want to get to the part of the actual complication, which is, which is the main discussion, which is basically they're doing the case. Everything's going well. They've done the bilateral disectomies. They've done the resections. But while after all these resections are done, the surgical team is notified that the right fossa component was mishandled and subsequently contaminated after it fell to the operating room floor. Five second rule. <laughs> yeah, well, what I was gonna laugh about is, it is funny to, to talk about this in the sense oh, yeah. that as soon as any of these, you know, sterile equipments even touch, you know, they're off the blue drape or they yeah, touch the yeah. back of the gown or there's a hole in the glove, like it becomes such a big deal because the OR is really the epitome of a sterile environment. Yeah. Now, within that, we know the mouth is clean contaminated. So as I said, let's say an orthodontic splint drops on the floor. You could argue, you know, betadine, rinsing, yes, flash yeah. sterilization. There's all these different things, mm -hmm. right? But when it comes Very to different. total joint prosthesis, we know infections are devastating and sterility is, is, huge. Yeah. sterility is probably the most important thing. Yeah. So when you were doing these cases, when you're resident UFT, was that kind of drilled into you? Was that a step that you guys really worried oh. about? Like, how did you guys handle it? Yeah, so it was... Like, and you've now been in the room with, with Dr. Sukha doing one, right? So you see mm -hmm. how everything is kind of laid out. The draping is over the top, but it's not over the top. That There's a reason mm -hmm. for it. And yeah, when you're passing any component, it was so careful. Like, I wish I could, people could see what I'm doing with my hands, but you have your two hands, like, cupped and everything. is just something that you would, you would do second nature with another instrument. When you're doing a Team J yeah. case, you just don't. You just didn't. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And uh, yeah, my experience was similar. So I think they handled this really well. Basically, what they said is, okay the the faucet drop it's contaminated we know it's contaminated we can't pretend that it didn't happen where yeah. do we go from here they looked up the re-sterilization instructions because there's a protocol you know based on what happens and it's basically like did it touch the patient yet or not mm -hmm. so this has not touched the patient it's, it's just gone from the sterile packaging to the floor meaning it can be re-sterilized yeah the only thing is the sterilization process is very very specific and Basically, there's two kind of algorithms you can use, but in either way, there's an aeration portion of it that's 12 hours minimum. Yeah. Because when I was looking through the protocols, I said, oh, okay, one of them is only one hour, you know, mm -hmm. one hour. So maybe you can do that's like a, a flash deal. cycle, yeah. get, the, get this going quickly, get it yeah. back in. But no, unfortunately, there is an aeration part that's at least 12 hours minimum. So overall, let's say you're going to need around 14 hours, 17 hours. Mm -hmm. So they realized that. So then what they did is they completed the side that was still sterile to completion. They closed the wound on, on the side that they cannot do now the fossa on the component. And they realized that their actual institution, their hospital, does not have this gas cycle. Mm -hmm. That's what you have to use. It's in the article, ethylene oxide gas. But luckily, they found a neighboring institution. So good on them for like yeah, reaching out, that, trying to find a solution real quick, explaining it. So they sent the component over there. They did the sterilization cycle. But the problem becomes now, what do you do with the patient? Yeah. So 
I think basically what they decided was, you know, admission to the ICU. I believe they kept the patient intubated, explained to the family, explained what's going on. And then they returned to the OR the next day to complete the procedure with the re-sterilized part. So I, th- I think it's a really tricky situation That's a to navigate. Oh. I can't think of any better way they could have handled yeah. it, to be honest. I really feel like they found a way to sterilize it. They were upfront and honest with the family. You kind of have to keep the patient intubated because it, if you're guaranteed to do it the next yes, day, yeah. You don't want to extubate them and then re-intubate them it's the next be a day. Brutal and then, intubation. Yeah. yeah, no, no. I, I honestly think they handle it as textbook as you could for a really unfortunate situation. I think if you do it any other way, you're probably cutting some corner, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, just yeah. to get it done. Exactly. And that's what I like about it is that they didn't cut corners to get things done in a in a more convenient or, or quicker fashion. Or sometimes you're going to be tempted to cut a corner to make an easier conversation yeah. with the family. Yep. Yeah. You know, you could probably say something like, oh, we opened the packaging and it was deformed or yeah, yeah, yeah. you can make up something. But no, just say, listen, it dropped on the floor. Yeah. We don't want to use it. And a lot and of people pointed uh, directly at the nurse that did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a resident. It was a junior resident. Yeah, 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 for and sure. he'll be meeting you in the cafeteria in an hour yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to discuss this with you. Yeah. So I think it kind of stimulated conversation as far as and something we could ask maybe our guest the next month. I mean, no spoilers as to who our guest is, but someone that works with total joints and maybe has experienced this type of thing before about maybe do we have a protocol at Mount Sinai and what is the plan? Has this happened to him before? So that would be kind of interesting to know. But did you have any other takeaways from this article? I mean, one thing I did notice that they did say the rate of prosthetic joint infection is about 1.5 to 2.7%. So it's relatively low. We want to keep it low. So you really got to follow the proper protocols. Because the, 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 once you get it, it's just catastrophic, right? Like it's such a big surgery. Mm-hmm. Again, you're probably opening it up. You're taking a prosthetic out. So so you do have to just minimize it and keep it as low as possible. I thought this article, when honestly when I started reading it, I was like, this is not going to interest me that much. And at the end, not super interesting of an article, mm-hmm. but I do think it is useful and makes you think. Not that you can maybe use this exact protocol in your own institution because you have to find out what about sign that you don't have this or what if you have yeah. what if you do have it right so at least and it, also we should mention this is specific for the tmj concepts custom joint whereas if you're using for example the zimmer biomet exactly. prosthesis, it might have a different protocol as far as what happens if there's contamination yeah yeah and so this is for this prosthesis so, so it makes you maybe think you know what look what you're using and see what their protocol is Mm-hmm. That's what I think it's nice. It kind of makes you think about it in advance. They did mention that for this, the turnaround time is 18 hours to return the prosthesis if you have to send it to another institution and get it re-sterilized. But if you had to send it to the manufacturer, so in this case, TMJ Concepts for re-sterilization, it's about a seven-day turnaround and a reprocessing charge of $1,500. So at that point, it's not like you're keeping the patient intubated and you have to wait. So they kind of got a bit lucky that they could just do it by their neighboring institution. Otherwise, it would have been a much more difficult conversation, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Like, you have to tell the parents, not only are we not doing the surgery, we're not doing it for at least eight days, almost two weeks maybe, because seven days to get back, when is your OR going to run again, right? Like, yeah. yeah. So the other funny thing just at the end of the article was they didn't, didn't mention all the other studies I didn't know existed where they like would drop bone grafts on the floor and then test for contamination. And one thing that's funny is, you know, bone grafts placed on the floor for one minute they found no positive cultures. Now remember, the OR is such a sterile environment. Yeah. environment. You'd hope the turnover is good, the yeah. cleaning is good. But they were dropping bone grafts. They were dropping autogenous grafts. You know, they're doing all these different studies to see, you know, does it actually cause contamination? And in another study, they showed they dropped bone fragments, but then they cleansed with the betadine and normal saline, yeah. and it provided effective decontamination. So I think when it comes to non-TMJ stuff, your, your five-minute your five rule might be in effect. <laughs> Drop the mask down, blow on it a little bit. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So overall, as you said, not a groundbreaking article, but something to stimulate conversation. And I think that my main takeaway from this would be try as best as you can to think through for each or what's kind of a catastrophic thing that could happen or just like an awkward mistake that can happen and how do you deal with it? You know, wrong splint is put in yeah. for the wrong part of the case. A splint breaks, splint falls on the floor, TMJ falls on the floor, like all these, these different things. things. Yeah, that, that at some point may happen, right? So mm -hmm. preparing for them is, like you said, the best way to, to be ready for it. Yeah, definitely. All right, that concludes our journal club. With that being said, let's go to our final segment, recommendations. Okay, Oscar, so recommendations, I wanted to kick this off. You know, we've talked about Zane already a lot on this podcast. I feel like, you know, we're giving him <laughs> He's a, getting pretty popular. Getting a monthly shout out at this point. He should, he should be paying a stipend towards us yeah, or something. Yeah. I don't know, we'll, we'll figure donations out something. Donations, accepted here. Yeah, don <laughs> yeah, we accept donations. But one thing, he reached out and he said that he has been reading Project Hail Mary. And obviously, I love this email for many reasons. Number one, he's listening to our podcast. Number two... Yeah. He's following our recommendation. Number three, he's following my recommendation. Yeah. And number four, it's a book. You know how I love recommending like, books? Everything about that message you love. I love it. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I had to say was, hey, I'm reading Project Hail Mary when not catching up on every single episode of Teeth and Titanium because yeah. I listened to every single one. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the perfect message for you. <laughs> yeah. And one thing that he brought up that I wanted to talk to you about was he said he's, he, and he said, I can't get enough of it. I can't stop listening because he's doing it as an audio So is he reading it? So he's not reading it. It's an audiobook, I guess. Well, listen, it still counts. Audiobooks, I still count. And in, in my life, I prefer physical books. Yeah. I do find it. I do find the point of reading is, you know, you sit down with the book, you're reading paper, and it just kind of puts you in a mental spot. However, I will say for people that are commuting, a lot of times all you can do is an audiobook, or it's easier. So, so I think it's still better than nothing. Okay. So it's, it's funny you were the one to say that because, yeah, I read that first book because you got it for me and we crushed it on vacation. And then mm -hmm. we were on vacation. We were done in like two days. So mm -hmm. we ended up doing the second one the, of the, by that author with mm -hmm. an audiobook. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm at three books. But if you, but if you had the, if you had the physical book, you would, I would have read, read it. it. I would have preferred would have to read it with like a physical copy. You're going on a vacation soon. Do you have a book teed up for that vacation? Lexa's download, not actually a book. Cause I, I don't know why I've been a disaster trying to get things organized for this vacation. But she's downloaded like it's like a series, and I don't know what it's called. I'll let you know what it's called once I have. But like well, they're, they're audiobooks. But yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that was because that was one thing I wanted to bring up. Because you know, one of my missions is to make you more of a reader. Yeah. Every episode, I'm trying to get you to more, read more books. I, I do think you should read Project Hail Mary. But the one thing I want to ask you was, would you consider audiobooks becoming part of your, of your routine, or is this really just a vacation thing for you? I wish it was part of my routine because I like it. I like the feeling that I get when when I'm listening to it. It's different than TV. It's almost like your brain, your brain is active, but not as scattered around. Uh -huh. Like you're focusing uh -huh. on listening to what's happening to the words. Um, uh -huh. So I really like that aspect about it. I would like to make it part of my life. Do I think I will? I'm not sure about that. Especially with like new baby coming in May, yeah. even less. Not a good time to start yeah, a new hobby. I was going to say, even less likely that I would have a new hobby. But if you ask me what I want to, yes, for sure I want to. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just kind of jumped my... Mind thinking, maybe Oscar would respond more to audiobooks. Yep. Currently, my, my protocol is basically if it's a fiction, I read it, physical book. Yep. If it's a nonfiction, I listen to it as an audiobook when I'm driving or something like that. Because a nonfiction audiobook is pretty much just a super, super long podcast. Yes, if you think about that's it. true. Yeah. 
it's 10 hours, it's nonfiction and it's read kind of like, you know, it's nonfiction. Yeah. So you don't really have to imagine things or take that, yourself to a different place. No, that, that, you know what? That's a good point. I like that. That's how I divvy it up. Yeah. Cause like our podcast, whenever we're doing long drives, we're always listening to a podcast, like a crime podcast. Yeah. So it would be the same yeah. thing. Yeah. That's great. Same thing. Yeah. What about recommendations for you, Oscar? Do you have anything for this month? So to me, honestly, this month, I was just watching it a ton of World Cup, like the previous month. So I did nothing mm -hmm. that, that, that I would say, oh, that was great. The only thing I started watching because maybe I fell into the hype was White Lotus. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've heard a lot about it. I haven't seen it. Yeah. So I started watching the first one. Actually, I, I finished the first one. What am I saying? I just started. <laughs> I finished it in like a, like a week. I did like it. It was good. It just maybe was a bit overhyped for me so that when I watched mm. it, I was like, oh, okay, that was good. But it wasn't spectacular in my opinion. Mm. Still would watch it again. And I would say it's kind of funny. It's quirky. There's a season two. Yeah, there is a season two. Like we're starting yeah. on that. So that, that should give you a thing. I'm going to watch season two. A lot of people around me made it sound so unbelievably amazing where I'm like, it's good. It's just not that good. But I would still yeah. say it's worth watching. That's the tough part with recommendations. And even for us, whenever we give someone a recommendation, you always feel like in the back of the mind, like, are they going to enjoy it? Or if they don't enjoy it, are they going to blame us? You know, things like that. You just kind of have to let that go and realize that not everyone's going to like all the same things. Yeah. So I think it's worth taking a recommendation. You watch a few episodes, you don't like it, stop. Exactly. And But what I'm really going to be watching this month is just football playoffs. That's really what I'm yeah. going to be watching. Exactly. So my recommendation was going to be, I watched the Netflix movie Glass Onion, which I don't know if you've seen it, but it's the follow-up to Knives Out. No, I haven't seen that. I'm going to put that on my list. So have you seen Knives Out? No, I haven't seen that either. You haven't seen either of them? Hold on, no. And I see everything. So like... You must have seen Knives Out. It's like Daniel Craig. The whole cast is famous. I'm blanking on the other names, but it's oh, like a very, very... I'm looking it up right now as we're talking. Yeah. Oh, yes, I did. And I liked it. Yes, I did yeah. see it. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, it's so, really good. So, yeah, so Knives Out was really good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And it's a good one to watch with your spouse, too. Yeah, like we watched it together. family. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very, like, couple-friendly movie. So I watched that. So the sequel came out, which is Glass Honey, which That's, basically is the same... You sold me already. You don't have to say anything. So it's the same <laughs> Daniel Craig character. Yeah. Detective. Just in, like, a new kind of mystery. So all the rest of the cast is new, but they're all famous as well. And Ed Norton is probably the most famous person there. So I love Ed Norton. So I was super pumped. Mm. I liked the first one. I will say it wasn't as good. Oh! And And... Still sequels worth watching? Almost, sequels are never as good. It's worth watching, especially for you. You're about to get on like a 40-hour plane ride. Yeah. Like you got nothing better to do. Like download on your That's iPad why, yeah. and, and watch it for sure. It's definitely something you have to watch once and you're going to enjoy it. It's entertaining. I just didn't find it as good as the original one. And it wasn't actually Daniel Craig. I realized it, when you watch movies or TVs, you start to realize how important the supporting cast yeah. is as well. Because if you don't like the supporting cast, you won't really enjoy the movie as mm -hmm. much. So... I think it's worth watching. It's a very easy watch. Like okay. you watch it in a night. It's brainless. You just watch it. It's like family fun entertainment for you and your spouse. But I would say it's not, it wasn't as good as the first one, unfortunately. Okay. So I guess both of ours are recommendations, but tread lightly a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> this is a, this, we're not pounding the table on these recommendations. Again, like what I'm watching is football this month. So that would be my, yeah. my, my actual <laughs> recommendation is football. People can tell we're pounding the table on something and then versus we're just like, yeah, check us out. And you know what? Next month, next month, I will have one for sure. Because next month, yeah. Drive to Survive comes out. Does it actually? Yes, season February. Yeah. Yes. So that'll be mine. You already know mine for next month. Yeah, I was. I was already thinking. Like, I was literally about to say to you, is Formula One should be coming soon. Like, Drive to Survive, and then also the, uh, the season, the new season, March sixth. March 6th. Oh my god, yeah. it never stops. All right, Oscar. One thing I wanted to talk to you about before we sign off for for this episode is. I gave Brad a six-month probation period, and I said we need six episodes from this guy. You were, you were, I was on Mr. Optimistic. Yeah, one. you were Mr. Optimistic. After one episode, you're like, "Oh, bring Brad on. He's amazing. Yeah. Sign him permanently." I said, 
let's calm down. Let's let let's be patient. Be a one hit wonder. He could get bored. He could want to quit. Maybe he stops caring. I don't even know how many episodes it's been. I think it's only been two or three, to be honest. I don't think it's been that many. But listen, I got to put my hands up. I got to admit I was wrong. Yeah. And Brad's been phenomenal. I don't think it's worth waiting the six month probation period. Because what if he decides to quit? I already gave Brad a contract on the side. I I didn't even wait for your six months. It didn't matter. Brad was awesome. So Brad, get in here. I want to formally extend an offer to you to be the, not the producer, the executive producer. You're going to be our executive producer. It's a lifetime contract reassessed annually. How is it a lifetime contract if it is reassessed annually? Oscar, Oscar, don't worry worry about the details, okay? (laughs) This sounds like a, this sounds like an NFL contract, fully guaranteed, except it's not fully guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lifetime contract. It's assessed annually. You're commission based based on the sales of the podcast and the podcast is free. So you can do the math there. But listen, I just want to say you've been awesome. You really help on the back yeah. end. I think the reason I was so skeptical is because Brad's pitch, and you'll remember this, Oscar, Brad's pitch when he came to us was, I want to be your producer. And we were like, what does that mean? And he yeah. said, I want to do all your work, Scott, work for you. I want to set up the meetings. I want to reach out to the guests. I want to create the Zoom calls. I want to create the templates. I want to come up with topics. It's amazing. Yeah. And he's like, but I want to lay low. I don't want to be a guest. I don't want to have to talk all the time. I want to be in the background and just kind of contributing here and there. In fact, we had to kind of tell him, like, listen, we want you to contribute more because it's good to get your perspective. Sometimes we talk off camera or off recording and he's got interesting points. So it's like, Brad, we we do want to hear you more, actually. Yeah, so his pitch was so un- unbelievable. And that's why I thought there's no way he's actually going to sign up to do this. And Brad, you delivered. Oh. It's made our lives so much easier. Things are just really good. So listen, we'd like to extend this contract offer to you. What is your response? I accept. I See, in 10 years, you got nothing better to do. <laughs> yeah. In 10 years, you have nothing better to do but uh, produce a podcast. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you're, yes, you're so comfortable with work that you're like, I got free time. I can produce a yeah. podcast. Yeah. And luckily, as you said, he's paying the bills now. So he's not demanding any money from us. Yeah. That being said, <laughs> speaking of that, I do think we should, because we haven't been out for dinner either. Like we got to get Brad up here and go for yeah. dinner. Yeah. Oh, Brad's got to come to Toronto. I'm American. So I will uh, piggyback on Pharaoh. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. No, that's perfect. We can split the bill three ways now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I won. No, no, Brad. No, Brad's claiming he's with the U.S. Oh, I am with I the know. U.S. Yeah. I don't know about that. You're learning. I'm born French. in Iowa, just like Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is true. That is yeah, true. definitely. Brad, were you proud when we asked Farrell the Field of Dreams quote, and he instantly got it, like it wasn't even a thing? Oh, there was no doubt. I knew he had it in him. He's like, uh, he's like, I wouldn't be surprised I, I was if he didn't get it. it. Yeah. yeah. I do have one clarification, though. The football game I was at uh, might have had a couple pops in me or so. (laughs) Uh, I've been a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and I go to a Chicago Bears game every year with my Chicago Bears friends. So this Uh, is the first time I ever got to go and see my team actually play. And they won. That was the part that I was confused about, because in my, my mind, I remember you saying you're a lifetime Miami Dolphins fan but also that you always go to a Chicago game. I was like, that doesn't make sense. He must have been, he's a Dolphins fan, so he picks one game to go to with the Dolphins each year. No, no. 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 Hey, so you worried about you worried about the playoff? 
Oh, they're done. One and done. The Dolphins are done. And honestly, after everything that went on with the Damar Hamlin, I don't know, Wendell, did you know what happened in the NFL? Because I know I'm not supposed to tell you anything. Yeah, exactly. You guys have to ask. First, we're always asking. But don't worry, I'm fully up to date. Thank you for coming. Are you aware of what happened in the 2006 World Cup? (laughs) 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 So so, uh, I think what has happened to the people in Buffalo with the storm, Mm-hmm. With Damar, yeah. I think uh, it's their due. I think this is going to be their year. Oh, so honestly, yeah. that I would be so. an awesome story. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and for sure. Yeah, yeah, we should we should get ready on cannot, this biggest Bills fan yeah. ever. Yeah, we got to talk yeah, about and that. Watching that, watching that live, what those guys did and were able to handle is just absolutely amazing. So it yeah. made you really feel like there's and what people did afterwards, donating to his charity. Mm-hmm. Like humanity is strong, although you don't always yeah. feel it. It is mm-hmm. yeah. for sure. Well. Listen, this is kind of an emotional moment, but basically January 2023 will always be a hallmark time. Is the time that our podcast officially grew from a family of two to a family of three. So, Brad, <laughs> welcome. Andy. You're like the you're like more our... on the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Brad starts slacking off. We'll start bringing executive assistants and secretaries. Well, that's why. And... That's why. That's why Brad said more on the way. He's like, now that I'm executive producer, I get an assistant, right? That's what. I'm <laughs> <laughs> all so right a, a little thing about me real quick guys uh i don't have any kids but i do have a dog and okay. i went through the most frustrating thing in the world to where my dog last week had a tooth abscess it had a swollen <laughs> oh. cheek and i had to sit there and watch this and treat it and then not be able to take care of it and so yeah. now i have to take him to a vet next wednesday for him to undergo surgery oh, under no. general anesthesia <laughs> no. wow Okay. Sorry that you, okay. So we were, I know we were about to sign off, but that's funny that you brought that up because my dad is, so my dad's a general dentist. Okay. But he does a lot of surgery. Um, but he's also like the animal whisperer. Okay. Because like you said, your dog has an abscess. You're going to take him to the vet and the vet's going to deal with it. Like most normal human beings would do. Not my father. When we were growing up, dog had an, our bulldog had an abscess. My dad took his tooth out and dealt with it with local. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, it crossed my mind, except for I'll, I'll set you up on a call with Oscar <laughs> yeah, Sr. He'll, he'll walk you through it. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, welcome to the team, Brad. Oh, by the way, listeners, if you if you think Brad shouldn't be part of the team, we didn't ask them for their feedback. I think yeah. it's overall positive. I mean, our fan mail has skyrocketed. Is it Brad to go over? You, you do know that Brad screens the mail. <laughs> That's true. He's never going to tell us. <laughs> so he's just not going to pass it on. <laughs> yeah. Brad's going to say, oh, everyone emailed and said they totally approve of All me. positive. <laughs> All yeah. positive. They think, I, they think I deserve a salary. So no, they didn't say that, Brad. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this episode. Uh, thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. If you want to come on the show or have a recommendation for who should come on the show, or if you have a question for us, definitely reach out teeth and titanium OMFS at gmail.com. If you don't want to talk to us, don't worry. You'll be talking to Brad, our lovely producer. He'll screen you anyway. Yeah, he'll screen you anyways. And uh, thanks so much for everyone for listening. And we will see you guys next time. Take care, guys.